0: particularly difficult for people who need a life-saving transplant. In Hertfordshire, there's 179 people waiting for a donor. In Buckinghamshire, it's 124 and Bedfordshire, 106. According to research, only a third of families said they'd agree to donation going ahead if they were unaware of their loved one's decision to donate.
1: Two new European Union migrants will have to wait for three months before they can apply for out-of-work benefits from January. The measure was among a series of restrictions on EU job seekers set out last month. It's to be rushed through Parliament so it can be in place when remaining work controls on Romanians and Bulgarians are lifted. Commuters in Hertfordshire hoped to avoid a repeat of yesterday's rail chaos which followed a signal failure. The problem with the signalling system between New Barnet and Alexandra Palace caused widespread disruption to East Coast mainline services. Keith Gips is from First Capital Connect and says they're offering passengers a full refund on this occasion.
2: We work on a basis where customers get compensation on the journey they're making. Some other companies do it over a period of time, but we pay it on a journey-by-journey basis. What we are doing during this disruption, because of the magnitude of it, we are paying the full rate of compensation. Normally we pay 50% of the journey, but because today's been so bad, we'll be paying the full 100% of the journey.
1: A Stradivarius violin that was recovered this year after being stolen from Euston Railway Station in 2010 is expected to sell for more than £1 million at auction today. The instrument had belonged to the London-based soloist Min Jim Kim. The violin was made by Antonio Stradivari in Italy in 1696 and is one of 600 still in the world. The weather, a dry and bright morning, will give way to more cloud and outbreaks of rain, becoming very windy too, with temperatures up to 11 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. We're coming
3: to towns and villages all across our counties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Come for the day. Come and have lunch here. Have a wander around. Talk to people. See what's going on. All this week in Buckingham.
4: Very loyal
5: people and everybody knows each other, which is very nice.
6: They do things for children at
3: Shandos Park and everything. No, it's really good. The big tour of Beds, Hearts and Bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Morning, this is... Oh, there was a croak. Did you hear that croak? Oh, I've been up all night coughing. Don't tell me about it. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past six. It's Wednesday the 18th of December. A week to go, kids. A week to go. I'm off to see a pantomime today as well. Very exciting. A pantomime at 10.30 in the morning? Yeah, I know. Never mind. Looking forward to it. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including should police wear cameras? Campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the looted man who died in police custody, are calling for it at a meeting with town councillors and the police today. And have you had a conversation with your loved ones about whether you're an organ donor? NHS Blood and Transplants say you must. It makes sense. Why would anybody not want to donate their organs? And as actor Tina Malone has a baby at the age of 50, five zero. I want to know, when are you too old to have a baby? Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 four double five five double five.
3: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
7: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: Now,
4: campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the Luton man who died in police custody, are calling for all police officers to wear video equipment to reassure the public. The Justice for Leon committee is making the case to police and councillors at the town hall in Luton this afternoon. 39-year-old Leon died at Luton police station on the 4th of November this year. Well, I'm joined bright and early in the uh, in the studio with uh, Glenn Jenkins from the J4L committee. Morning, Glenn. Good morning, Ian. Uh You
8: want all police officers to wear cameras? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me why. Because, because it's something that over the years, there's been thousands in state custody, thousands, 5,900 and some people since you know, the, the 70s have died in state custody. Wow, okay, that's, so that's pretty, a huge that's, figure. That's, pretty, that's a huge figure. And never one single prosecution ever. So this has led to, particularly in the black community, a massive distrust in the police, which isn't healthy for society, isn't healthy for us and of course now we're left with one of our friends in Luton who's died in custody, a family grieving, and not only grieving haven't got a clue what happened now, whether it be Mark Duggan whether it be Ian Tomlinson, whatever, in all of those cases where cameras were present, where they were, you know, the the verdict was clear, Ian Tomlinson, for example. Before that, they had him down as a heart attack with a pathologist saying that was the case. Mark Duggan, was he executed? Did he have a gun? No one knows. Now, if those officers had had tunic cameras on at the time, and crucially, Luton, are gonna t- Luton police are going to come on here, Alf Hitchcock or whoever come on and tell you that they're trialling this in Luton, we're mm. trialling it in Stafford. They are trialling it, but they have discretion as to when and when, when or not those cameras are on.
4: So the tri- and we, I think Alf is coming on a bit later on, or someone's coming on, certainly. Uh, uh, you, you're saying that
8: the trials that are taking place at the moment, the cameras aren't on. All the time. When do they get switched on then? Well, that's exactly the question, isn't it? You know, that It seems to me and it seems to others that when they'll get switched off is when there's some sort of aggression due to happen, whether that's a stop and search, whether that's a, an arrest, an imminent arrest or whatever. So, you know, we're crystal clear in Leon's law that Leon's law should be something that's brought in immediately in Bedfordshire because it can be without any legislation change needed whatsoever. The Chief Constable could do this today. And she said at the public meeting, I'll do all in my power. Well, let's make sure, Chief Constable, that that camera is on every tunic. And is, if you turn it off, it's a disciplinary offence. Mm. And then what you'd have then, Ian, is you would have complete transparency. I would imagine that for some of the youth on the street, it'd be like living in a different country. Because, as you see on cops on camera, the cops will act differently, like all human beings will, when they know they're being recorded. Now I'm a big civil rights campaigner Mm. and the balance between freedom and privacy if you like in terms of not wanting my face on a police camera just in the street if it was done properly and we've got Liberty and Bernbergs looking at this for us to do a civil rights review over the next eight weeks. Today's meeting with a councillor is the beginning of an eight week period where we talk to the public talk to the civil rights lawyers and say look tell us exactly where and when it should be turned off but Crucially, at points of all interaction with the public, which is physical, that camera needs to be on. It does
4: seem um, uh, odd that we don't have more cameras in the police force, because you would think that it it would make giving evidence in court... So much It would
8: make the police's job easier, wouldn't it? Well, that's why the police are trialling it, because, mm. because they're not stupid, you know what I mean? They know that if you've got a camera of an inter- interaction and it records it, then the statement is a lot easier because you, everyone's got a memory of it, everyone's got a digital memory. But the police want the benefits, but not... The public protection side of it yeah which is just classic and we're not going to have that for a minute ian mm. i promise you if if leon briggs my brother and friend and neighbor isn't going to die in vain right then this change is going to come about in, in because of what's happened to leon and others and we're working with friends and families of other victims of police i mean you know if you look at the figures right mm. something has to be done and the riots that happened some, you know, after Mark Duggan's thing, that's because there's petrol all over the road in this country, which is constant bicker-bicker harassment, harassment between police and kids on street. And it ends up like a war. Now, if you had cameras on the police, and I wouldn't want cameras on bus drivers, or. Tra- it's because you physically interact with people, and you have to, we pay you to arrest people. And what it would mean, as far as I can see, is that the police would have to learn, A, manners, and B in their approach and B proper restraint techniques that are safe, that are not gonna kill people, and you know, because we still don't know what's happened to Leon. And that in itself, that you know the family don't know. That that in itself is a tragic addition to their pain, which isn't necessary because police already wear cameras in Stafford. In Stafford it costs them three hundred grandian, Three hundred grand. And by the way, in Rialto in California, they trialed this. Southern law people, the civil rights people, said the balance between the accountability gain and the privacy loss is worth doing because police complaints went down 80%. Violent incidents between the police and the public went down 66%. Now, my God, they would save the money on administering those complaints, Mm. not that they ever get anywhere. What's happening at the meeting today? What's the meeting about? It's a meeting of the... Heads of Police, Council, it's called the CPG... I can't exactly get the, the yeah. initials right, but it's a, it's a it's a meeting of the Heads of Council which meets to try and um, draw down the tension. And ever since this incident and other incidents, like Justice for Jordan, you know, other incidents we've had in town, after that there's meetings where we can try and sort of see that things don't kick off and all of that. And so it's cooperation to, to, to keep things calm and all of that. And they're having this meeting today, and we've said to them, look, if you're really serious, if you're really serious about doing something in this town and in this Mm. country, then Leon's, Leon's law is a positive, absolute solution, short term. In the medium term, the real problem, Ian, comes from the fact that a policeman can bend you up on the street, right? You go in front of a magistrate, he'll tell the magistrate what's happened, you tell the magistrate what happened. He's going with a cop all the time, right? Now, if judges were accountable for that, if you're a doctor and you make a decision that mashes up somebody's life, you rightly get struck off for negligence. Whereas if you're a judge, you can make a wrong decision, put someone in prison, let a, a thug walk, even if, even if he was a police officer, and nothing happens to you even if it gets turned over at a later court. Now, if those judges were accountable, then the police wouldn't have the licence that they have. So there's bigger changes, but in the immediate, cameras on tunics is crucial here. Glenn, I appreciate your time this morning. Maybe we can
4: have a chat tomorrow to see how the meeting went. Is that we okay? sure can, mate. Excellent. Thank you very much, Glenn Jenkins, from uh, Justice for Leon. 08459 four double five five double five. What do you reckon? Cameras on the police. I'm struggling to think of... Uh, I'm struggling to think of why it would be a problem. It makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't it? 08459 455555. If you want to find out more about the campaign, you can go to Justice4, the number 4, Leon Briggs, on Facebook. into the rock and roll hall of fame along with kiss 08459 oh, 455 555 would you like to see your police wearing cameras all the time so they can film everything we'll take your calls on that after a little bit of travel with alice
7: travel news for beds cards, and bugs
0: bbc three counties radio good morning things looking good out there on the cameras The speed centres are picking up morning delays in Harpenden, though, on the High Street. That's in both directions around Station Road. Also in Clop Hill, the A6 southbound looking a little slow approaching the roundabout at Warren Wood. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you, Alice. 6.16, Wednesday, the 18th of December. One week to go. Oh, I'm so excited. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the Luton man who died in police custody, are calling for all police officers to wear video equipment. 400 people across the three counties are waiting for an organ transplant. And in sport, the England, England cricket coach, Andy Flower, says he still has the hunger to, c- to continue in his job. Yeah, I bet he does. He won't be, though, because they're rubbish. The weather today, a dry start but becoming wet and windy with a high of 11 Celsius.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Every consumer problem has an unhappy customer.
6: That actually deleted the main account instead of attaching my one to it. We ordered it and when we got home we checked the measurements and it just will not fit.
9: A company. We've asked the council, but now they come up with a new excuse. It's not them, it's
2: down to the wave. And he said, well, I'm sorry, that's your policy. Oh, well, maybe next time you'll learn not to open the box. And me getting to the bottom of it all.
10: And they confirmed that they would return my excess and that my no claims bonus would
2: not be affected. The JVS show fights
3: for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Weekdays from 9. BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: I'm just playing on the computer. Sorry, I'm all over the shop today. I'm all over the shop today. What's wrong? Where are you going? Where's she going? She's running in to chat to you. Why? You're all over the shop because you're eating hobnobs. I'm eating hobnobs. What's wrong? Why? Why? I've just typed in, look, what's...
11: You're welcome for the biscuits, by the way. What are you looking
4: at? Well, I've just found this. What on earth, what on earth is this? Peter Talk tees. I'm going to have a little listen to this. Hang on.
9: Well, you know, I, I've tried uh, a, a half a dozen ways to talk about it.
4: It's Peter Talk of uh, the Monkeys. And,
9: what's this doing on my computer? Them, none of them does justice. Um, uh, uh, there was a, uh, it certainly was a, uh, I mean, if I say it was a... No, it was J-Dog. It
4: was exciting. I'm trying to find a specific song. That's what it is. Bob Dylan must be Santa.
12: Who's got a beard that's long and white? Santa's got a beard that's long and white. Who comes round on special night? Santa comes round on special night. Special night, beard that's white. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Must be Santa, Santa. A red. Who has a long cap on his head? Santa has a long cap on his head. Hair on head, suit that's red. Special Ooh. night, beard yeah, that's white. Must be Santa, must be Santa, must be Santa, Santa long. Who's got a big red cherry nose? Santa's got a big red cherry nose. Who laps this way? Ho ho, ho. Santa laps this way, ho ho ho. Ho ho ho. Cherry nose. Cab on head, suit that's red. Special night.
4: you not love that? Fantastic. Bob Dylan must be Santa. Now, people in beds, hearts and bucks are being urged to talk to their loved ones this morning about whether they will be an organ donor. NHS Blood and Transplant uh, say that 400 people across the three counties are waiting for a transplant and this time of year is particularly difficult. They want you and I to talk, not to each other, but to our families, about organ donation. Well, have you had that conversation? I have. I've told my wife they're free and willing to take anything they want from me. My next guest, Tom Fearon, is the former chair of the British Organ Society and knows all too well about the importance of this. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Ian. Tom, now, your son, uh, rather sadly, died at the age of 24, didn't he?
13: That's correct,
14: Tell me about him. Well, his name was John. He's actually my stepson, but I knew him most of his life. And I came home uh, one day, found him lying on the bed, called an ambulance, uh, but he stopped breathing in ambulance. He'd had a brain hemorrhage. He was put on a life support system. Uh, We were told, basically, that should he survive, which is unlikely, he would be massively brain damaged. In the event it was decided he wouldn't survive, and we were asked what we come to know as a question, uh, would he uh, want his organs uh, taken to help others? We actually had spoken about it, so they're like you, we had spoken about it, but possibly not like you. It's been more in a joking manner. Mm. Uh, we hadn't really thought anything was going to happen. We just talk, spoke occasionally about it. He had an organ donor card. We did find out later that he took it very seriously. His friends told us that, and he had one incident where, on holiday in the sun, he tried to convince them to take up the organ donor card and sign on the organ register.
4: That, that's, that's quite uh, unusual, I would imagine, for, for a 24-year-old lad. It was in those days, particularly, we the token about
14: 1995. Um, yes, he was in the Red Cross, so he had ambitions to uh, join the ambulance service. So I suppose in some respects it's what we would expect. Uh, but so yes, what, it was unusual.
4: What um, What organs w- were used to help other it's people?
14: Basically what are called the large organs now. As I say, we are talking about 18 years yeah. back, uh, and that would be the heart, lungs, the, the kidney, um, They went to help others, uh, kidney was split. At that time, there was, certainly in our area, uh, not really any coordinators. Um, All efforts was put towards, basically, the recipient. which was the reason why a guy called John Evans started the British Organ Donor Society.
4: And what, which is now the Donor Family Network, isn't it? I think? Uh, well,
14: that's an offshoot of the right, Donor okay. Family Network, yes. And you,
4: Is it right you chaired, Tom, the, the British Organ Donor Society for that's, a while?
14: That's right, a few years. And, and
4: what exactly did they do?
14: Well, initially, as I say, the idea was that there was very little support for organ donor families... And it was simply a get-together group, people who'd been through similar experiences. But we used to bring together recipients and the medical staff. So effectively, at the time I was chair, we had quite a good view of the overall picture. Um, The organ donor... um, family was really ignored early on. It's only lately that it's become to be recognised as a crucial part of the whole scheme. So we provided support. We initially urged people to sign on the organ donor register and that was how we started but as we spoke to a variety of people, particularly the donor families, we realised that It was more important that the family knew what was required, because at the end of the day, the way the system works in this country, the next of kin, the loved one, have the final say. Although a person may be on the organ donor register, the family may not know. It could be they've simply ticked something on a driving licence. It could be they've never bothered telling the family. A variety of reasons, and we also know that people on the organ donor register, uh, very few, if you consider it, something about 24%, actually their family go on and agree to the donation. We found out that there are a variety of reasons why people would give their agreement and a variety of reasons why they wouldn't.
4: Why would people not give their consent?
14: Well, initially, it's a shock. Um, you, you know, it's very rarely in those days would you know it's happening. It usually came from an accident or a sudden illness, something you hadn't thought about, and then suddenly you asked this question. Very often, you didn't know what your loved one wanted. You, as I say, we had discussed it, but not really to the extent of us knowing exactly what John wanted. But, Also, there are many things. I think the biggest misconception was that if you said yes to organ donation, the hospital's attempts to save you would be reduced because they could save other lives. I've never, ever found anyone in the hospital with that attitude.
4: No, that does sound like one of those urban myths, doesn't it? That's
14: right, but it's what people believed. Um, Why... We never did find out, although I suspect it's something to do with our attitude to death in general, which is the biggest problem we have in the area. Uh, Talking about it at Christmas is a very good idea, a very good time to do it, but is unlikely to happen, A, because people don't talk about death, B... Christmas isn't a time, in most people's minds, you would talk about it. It's a time of jollity and fun not to talk about anything serious.
4: Do you know what, Tom? <laughs> just while you've been... Because I, 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 my wife knows I want to donate my organs and stuff like that. Just while I've been talking to you... Yes? You may have heard me tapping away. I've just signed up, literally in the last minute while you've been talking to me. You can go online and do it, can't you?
14: You can go online and do it. Um, I've just uh, done it now- this very,
4: very second. It's take- it took me 30 seconds to That's do it.
14: Right. Um, nowadays, you will get something to say you have signed up. In the past, you didn't always get anything. I want
4: it- a medal. I want a medal to show that I'm special. <laughs> <laughs> and that I've done... And just finally... Uh, as a family, how do you f- was, was there any comfort in knowing that the, the death of your son uh, wasn't completely in vain, that, that, that he was helping other people?
14: Well, it's often said that, um, you know, agreeing to this, that, that you can walk away knowing, as you said, your son has helped people. And that is true. What we did find, though, surprisingly enough, is two factors which seem to give the family most comfort. Often we're talking about loved ones, uh, people who were loved, either by husband, mother, father, sibling. They miss them. They're going to miss them. They've known them, they're alive, and they're going to miss them. And two factors play in here. One is that... They will walk away knowing they have carried out the last wish of their loved one. That's one reason why it's important Mm. to talk to your family. They can feel they've done one last thing for you. The other thing, and this is surprisingly important, is that you can walk away feeling your loved one was who you believe they were. Mm. They wanted to help someone. It's not necessarily the recipient, but the one you're but leaving behind had one final act which showed what a person they were. They wanted to help one.
4: Tom, I re- I've got to end it next round of time, but I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed, Tom Fearon, former chair of the British Organ Society. I did it just then. It took me thirty seconds. A little bit rude doing it while I was speaking to a guest, but but. I thought, if I don't do it now, I'll forget to do it again. Just go online, uh, uh, organ donation, register, UK, type it in, it pops up, you fill it in, you put your name and your address, that's it, it's that simple. Why would anyone not want to donate their organs? We we do this from time to time, and there are people out there who don't want to do it and don't want to give the organs of their loved ones. If that's you, could you give me a call and try and explain why? (laughs)
7: 08-459-455-555. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti clockwise, building up between junction 25 for Enfield and 24 for Potters Bar through the roadworks. On the speed sensors in Kingston, heading towards Milton Keynes, the A421 is slow. And in Colliers End, the A10 has one lane closed after Puckeridge Roundabout. Public transport all looking good and no reported problems. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties.
4: Alice, thank you very much. It's 6.30. Uh, just to say, Catherine Boyle's not in today. I've got no idea where she is. I, I, I need someone to help me do the newspapers, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to ask Kelly Betts to come in. So if, if you can help, 08459 455555. Maybe I'll speak to you after the news with Jane Killick.
7: Across beds, hearts and bugs.
3: This is BBC Three Counties
1: Radio. headlines at 6.30. Campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the Luton man who died in police custody, are calling for all police officers to wear video equipment. The Justice for Leon committee is making the case to police and councillors at Luton Town Hall this afternoon. People in Beds Hearts and Bucks are being urged to talk to their loved ones this Christmas about being an organ donor. The NHS says 400 people across the three counties are waiting for a transplant. New European Union migrants will have to wait for three months before they can apply for out-of-work benefits from January. The move is to be rushed through Parliament before work controls on Romanians and Bulgarians are lifted. The weather, dry and bright this morning, but wet and windy this afternoon. On to sport and in football, Sunderland beat Chelsea 2-1 in the League Cup last night to reach the semi-finals. Manchester City can also look forward to the semi-finals after they won 3-1 at Leicester City. The Milton Keynes Dons captain Dean Lewington is hoping their win at Wolves at the weekend will revitalise their season. The Dons are preparing for the visit of Port Vale this weekend. Lewington hopes they can continue where they left off on Saturday.
15: It's a starting point. It's um, you know, it stops the the bad run to, to an extent, and um, you know, it's a good springboard now to um to go and do better. But as you say, there's no point, you know, winning one, one game away at Wolves, and if you're gonna if you're gonna lose uh, lose your next couple.
1: Wickham striker Stephen Craig has been ruled out for six weeks with a thigh injury suffered in Saturday's League Two match against Scunthorpe. The England cricket coach Andy Flower says he still has the hunger to continue in his job but insists he's not looking beyond the end of the current Ashes series at the moment. Following Zingland's defeat in the third test in Perth, Flower says he'll meet Captain Alistair Cook and the rest of coaching staff this morning to discuss selection policy for the remaining two tests. And tennis veteran Billie Jean King will be one of two openly gay athletes in the US delegation for the opening and closing ceremonies of next year's Winter Olympics. The move is seen as a direct response to Russia's controversial new law that targets homosexuals. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at seven. Call
7: 08459 455
4: 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anybody got an idea where Catherine Boyle, my show's producer, is? No-one has a clue where she is today. Shame on her. Shame on her. 08459 455 555. I'll try and struggle through the newspapers I'm, I, on my own. I'll be very brave about it. But first of all, here's a cracking Christmas song that you probably won't have heard before. <coughs>
16: Christmas Day
4: go a pantomime today oh yes please all the Christmas shopping is done I need to do the boring rapping I hate the rapping I hate the rapping my wife is an excellent rapper uh, in terms of being able to wrap presents She can do that as well She knows all the words to Vanilla Ice I know She's an excellent rapper But she's so good at rapping I've said this before She's so good at rapping That disabled people and children Are unable to open the presents that she wraps uh, Which is a, a shame As both of those people at Parties are represented in my family There will be people in wheelchairs There will be young children And neither of them can open it's the a, presents It's
17: the tape isn't it? Oh, she does it, It's
4: just so tight it's, it's completely airtight There's no finger room <laughs> You can't finger the presents You can't get your fingers in there at all Good wrapping. Excellent wrapping. Kelly, does
11: she use ribbons and bows? She
4: does all of that nonsense.
11: Oh, oh that's I nice. Like that. Whereas I, I never just... want to open them if they look too nice. You what? I don't want to open a present if it What's looks a... too nicely wrapped. Why
4: would you wrap a present so so nicely? You it's just, just get some know. cheap wrapping paper.
11: Tinfoil's good.
4: Or, or cling film. But Either yeah, of those but things. Cling things
11: film is see through. Yeah, cling film. We, you could hardly give it away. You, you
4: colour it with a, a felt tip pen. God, Sir, are you work. a big big wrapper.
11: Uh no, I
18: don't do any robbing at all. <laughs> In neither aspect of it, neither parcels nor nor musically.
4: You don't do Oh, that's that's a real shame. Stop collaborate bad. and you listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. Something's I gotta hold yeah, it tightly. Move my me don't, me don't, move nightly. Will it ever stop? No, I don't know. The rest of the words.
18: <laughs> yeah, that's what I call robbing people speaking words that I don't understand.
4: People speaking words that I don't understand. That's going to be the title of my autobiography, Sam. <laughs> Kelly, uh, uh, Kelly uh, I've, got to, I've got to cross to. I've got to cross to Kelly. It says on my screen, Sam. So let's cross to Kelly.
11: Hi, there, Ian. Hi, so, uh, Kelly. What are you going to call me? Sam. Thanks.
4: You're welcome.
11: Um, so. so, yes. You know my lovely nan?
4: Yes, I do love your lovely nan.
11: She doesn't listen to you anymore. She
4: doesn't like me, does she?
11: She thinks you're OK, but what? she thinks you're a bit rude to me. What? Oh, dear. So, uh, for Christmas, she's yes. recorded this message oh, that I'd like you to shall hear. we listen to
4: Kelly's nan's Christmas message, Sam? Oh, yes, certainly. Here we go.
11: Morning, Ian. This is Kelly's
6: nan. I'd like to ask you to stop getting on to her and insulting her over the radio. There's other people don't know her like we do and they think you mean
4: it right, right,
6: right, so unless you want me to come to see you personally i would stop it
4: right kelly betts that yes. is bang out of order what what you have done is you have taken advantage of an old woman i'm guessing she's probably not all there either
11: she's fully all there didn't sound like it and she would totally come down and see you in person
4: well i'd like her to see her try
11: well, she well, will then. At
18: least Ian, uh, you're going to get a visit from a female, perhaps over Christmas,
4: which would that be must nice. must be a bonus. Uh, it must, yeah, be, it a must what, be a what? Sorry, bonus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you say? That must be a bonus to get a bonus. visit from a female over Christmas. It would be a bonus, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, uh, Kelly, <laughs> again. I can't speak. Sam, I cannot speak today. I'm so off my face on night nurse. Oh, Kelly, okay. you and I are going to have words after that after Brilliant. the show because that was bang out of order. You're
11: like my nan, by the way. I don't. She's beautiful. Uh, Inside and out, yeah. It's
4: quite a hot nan, yeah. Well, nice. OK, well, thanks very much for that, <laughs> Kelly That's Sam, what do you want? Uh, yes, I was just listening to you about the police business oh, there yeah. earlier on. Oh,
18: yeah. Well, I mean, the police, I find the police don't bother with you, I mean, unless you're, you're doing some unlawful act or, yep. you know, I, I mean, they just don't randomly all the time say, oh, listen, I want to talk to you this and abuse you. I have found the police, I mean, I have found them polite. I was stopped last week, I think it was, in Bletchley, right? At yeah. uh, eight o'clock in the morning, I was coming from work. And, I mean, they pulled me in. The lad was probably 25 to 30, around that age, you know, someplace in there. Yeah. Absolute perfect gentleman. He said, sorry, trouble you, sir. Uh, we're just doing a random breath test here, you know. I said, that's fine. He said, "Blowing that, you know, with the normal procedure. And he said, thanks very much for your time. Safe journey home. I mean, he was, there was no rudeness. Worse, but I have never experienced any rudeness from them anyway. But, but mean, Sam,
4: Sam, I'm assuming that you're a white gentleman. Pardon? Uh, yes, I'm assuming that you're a white gentleman.
18: Well, I'd I like to class this. I don't describe people by colour. I'm just I'm British from Northern Ireland. Okay, but so, but
4: uh, how. Uh, uh, but but but, but uh, I think it's easy for white middle class middle aged people to say the police are nice, and I think for younger people, uh, particularly black younger people, that, who have different experiences. Uh, uh, and feel that they are treated differently by the police.
18: No, I, I don't think that's correct. You don't think that I, I disagree with that, no. I think, you know, that's just jumping on the bandwagon no, no, I'm,
4: you know? I'm, I'm just going by what I've heard, because I, I've been stopped by the police. Sometimes they've been very, very polite. Sometimes they've been uh, a little bit rude and a little bit cocky. And I, I can only go by what I've heard. I have heard stories of young people, black and white, but predominantly black, uh, who have been told, uh, who've told me that they have um, uh, felt threatened and intimidated by the police. You, well, you don't think don't that happens?
18: don't anybody Ian, but I I feel that black people take every opportunity they can possibly do. I mean, I had an experience of working with one lad, and I mean, I know the remark was passed. This guy claimed £10,000 for it, you know. And I mean, I could see no offence whatsoever in it. I mean, you know, the police has got to, I feel that with uh, let's say non non British people or non English people. The police have to walk a thin a very thin line, you know. Yeah. I think they've got to do a balance and I I think it's unfair to them because I feel they're at a disadvantage stopping a person that's not English.
4: But we do I we do that, Sam we do hear stories, don't we, of, of uh black people it, dying dying, dying in police custody. Yes, I mean
18: in many cases oh, but is there has there been
4: Well we heard earlier checked. on a few thousand I, I don't believe a word of that. I mean, I have, never, I have
18: never uh, I have never managed to, to accumulate that many over the years looking at the papers, the news, etc. Okay. I think that's a load of a bull. one
4: I appreciate thank you very much indeed. I appreciate your comment there. Oh eight four five nine 455 yeah, 555 Have a nice evening. No, no, goodbye. Have a nice evening. Thank you. Well, I was going to ask him about something else. I was looking at the papers. There's a story here that's kind of uh, uh, struck me as a little bit odd. Uh, page 3 of The Sun. Wow. TV Tina has baby girl at 50. Shameless star calls her flame. Oh, for goodness, there's two things here, isn't there? There's having a baby at the age of 50, a woman having a baby at the age of 50, and also giving babies stupid names. Shameless star Tina Malone has given birth age 50 and called her baby girl flame. The actress, who played Mimi Maguire in their hit TV show, has told Powers the tot is absolutely perfect. Tina and her husband, Paul Chase, who at 31 is 19 years her junior, tweeted, Proud to announce the arrival of our baby girl. Can't wait to spend Christmas as a family. What do you reckon, 50, for a woman to have a baby? She had it with IVF. She underwent IVF treatment. She was originally expecting twins, but a scan showed one had died. 08459 four double five five double five. Is 50 too old... For a woman to have a baby. Now, I don't want to kind of get all fascist here and and start laying down laws and and rules as to when women should have babies. 50 sounds a little bit old to me. When that baby's 10, she'll be 60. When that baby's 15, she'll be 65, 65 years old. So physically giving birth at 50 is not a particularly sensible thing to do. But also being a parent at that age sounds to me... Well, it sounds... Yes, it sounds selfish. It's a little bit selfish, isn't it? 08459 555. How old were you when you gave birth? Is there an age, is there a cut-off point when, beyond which, you shouldn't have children? 08459 555 is the telephone number. 81333. Start your text, Theresia. I think a woman having a baby at the age of 50 is a little bit selfish. It's obviously risky as well, isn't it? She, had t- she was having twins. One of them died in the womb. So it is risky. It is dangerous. Have, I, I, and I know women have babies older now because of advances in medical, medical technology, but th- th- there has to be a limit, doesn't there? Doesn't there? I think she went abroad to get it done. I'm not totally sure. 08 459 455 555. How old is too old for a woman to have a baby? There we go. We managed to, to get through that perfectly.
7: Excellent stuff. 6.45 exactly. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio. Things starting to get busy on the M25 anti-clockwise. That's through the roadworks between Junction 25 for Enfield and 24 for Potter's Bar. On the A1M southbound, already looking a little heavy at Junction 7 for Stevenage, and in Harpenden, St Albans Road looking slow at Station Road. Public transport, no reported problems. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you very much indeed. Right, 6.45. It's Wednesday, the 18th of December. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A campaign launched after a man died in police custody in Luton is calling for police to wear video cameras. 400 people across the three counties are waiting for an organ transplant. In football, Sunderland and Manchester City are through to the next round of the League Cup after wins over Chelsea and Leicester. In a minute, we'll be speaking to J-Dog about when he's too old to have a baby, but before that, let's get the weather. Here's Wendy...
17: Hello, good morning. Maybe one or two mist or fog patches around first thing. It's going to be a bright start to the day and it's dry as well. But all that's not going to last very long because we will see it clouding over by lunchtime and mid-afternoon onwards there'll be some patchy outbreaks of rain too. All the time the wind is going to be increasing from a south or southwesterly direction and that does mean it's going to be on the mild side today with temperatures perhaps reaching nine or ten degrees Celsius. Then as we go through the first part of the night, and we're talking sort of seven to sort of ten o'clock this evening, there is going to be some really quite heavy rain going through. Um, That clears away and during it it going through, it's going to be really quite gusty. And uh, once it's gone, there will be some heavy squally showers following on through as well. Temperatures will fall back to about four or five degrees Celsius and uh, it will remain breezy right the way through the night. So we start the day tomorrow with that slightly breezy feel to things. There should be some decent spells of sunshine through tomorrow morning. But come the afternoon and evening, good chance of seeing some heavy showers returning there's one band in particular we're worried about that will come through during the evening's rush hour which might even have a bit of wintryness in it so we'll keep an eye on that one for you temperatures tomorrow will get to about sort of seven or eight degrees celsius at the very top end but it will feel a bit colder than today then as we go through friday bright and breezy but quite the opposite on saturday it looks like it's going to be another pretty wet day that's how it's looking for now
3: thank you very much It's about more than just goals.
7: Than just goals. You're the eyes and the ears of the fans who are trying to listen back at home. Where the ball is on the pitch, that, that's so important in the role of the listener. You do
19: try to paint the picture and give the fans the feeling that they can soak in the same atmosphere that we're getting at the
20: ground. Be a nice impartial viewpoint and keep everyone up to date with the club. I think that's why commentary is so important.
5: You still can't beat live commentary. You might be able to find out within seconds if a goal has been scored, but with commentating, you're telling people as it
7: happens.
3: It's about more than just goals.
7: Three County Sports.
21: Sexual healing mm,
22: mm, mm. Se- oh, yeah, Sexual healing. That's a sexy song, isn't it, Just? Oh, I'll tell you what, it's very sexy. All, all oh. about those VHS videos you had back in the 1980s.
4: What, of, of Marvin Gaye live in concert, yeah?
22: Yes, yeah, yes, those, right, videos, yes. those videos, yes. those
4: videos. You know, just before Marvin Gaye died, but he was very badly addicted to drugs, mm. and to cl- there's a brilliant documentary from about 1981. To clean himself up, he went and lived in a port in, um, um, uh, Denmark, I think. Really? Or Brussels. Maybe it was Brussels. Ugh. And he went and just lived with this old family, this old couple, um, in, in this really weird sort of boring place to get himself clean from drugs. And uh, I think that's where he
22: wrote Sexual Healing. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. That man has made some of the greatest songs of all time, especially with Tammy Terrell.
4: Yeah, oh, yeah, the songs on. with
22: Tammy Terrell. And also, he,
4: uh, <laughs> I do like Marvin Gaye. Uh, he, when he got divorced from his wife, the divorce was really acrimonious, really, really horrible. Yeah. And, um, The judge basically said, Right, what you've got to do, Marvin, this is when it was at the height of his powers. You have to give her every penny you earn from your next album. He went, (laughs) Oh! Right. Okay. Mm. So he recorded a double album called Hear My Dear, which is absolutely awful and sold hardly any copies at all. It's a stinker. A showbiz divorce. Oh, You've got to love Brilliant. it. Now, listen, the re- so speaking of showbiz, Justin, the reason mm. we've got you on, page three of The Sun, TV Tina has baby girl at the age of 50. Tina Malone, she's from Channel uh, 4's Shameless programme. She's had a baby at the age of 50 yeah. and I, I mean, it's obviously it's not safe, she had it through IVF, she was having twins, one of them sadly died uh, in her womb,
22: I just think that having kids at the age of 50 I think it's a little bit, um, it's a bit selfish. Well, especially when, when of course she had her first child at the age of 17 so this is not her first child and yes, it's a remarkable story about how much weight she's lost and everything else but, but Ian, I've been out this morning asking people about this, I know that uh, you're not particularly happy about this this morning, you think it's unfair so I've been asking people their thoughts on Tina Malone becoming a mother at the age of fifty. Here's what happened.
6: It's that's disgusting. I'm 46 and no way I've got another no one. My oldest is 26 and my youngest is 19. So when do you think it's too old
22: to be having a child? 45. 45?
6: Yeah. But 45 about the right age but over that no, I can go through it again.
22: And seeing this article this morning is that is that embarrassing?
6: Yes it is. <laughs> Especially with my age. Was, I'm 46. That no, is way
22: disgusting. Morning, madam. You're fifty. You fancy another child, a bit like Tina Malone?
1: No, definitely not. Tell me why. Because I want to be a grandma, so I can give them back.
22: <laughs> <laughs> so when do you think it's too old to be a parent, then?
1: I think around forty. I think you're you past it. Your body's past it. I can't bend down like I used to. I can't. It, I couldn't enjoy a child now.
22: So effectively what you're saying is it's actually unfair on the child then so to have a mother at 50 years old.
1: Well, I would have, I, in my opinion, yes.
22: Well, let's get the man's view on this as well. Trevor, what do you think about this story about Tina Malone becoming a mother at the age of 50? Is that too old? Well, if you're capable of looking after the child, there's no problem of age. Do you think at 50, though, somebody is capable of looking after a child? Yes, unless you're sick. Yes, you are. No, no problem to that. Louise, first of all, you're a big Shameless fan. How good is Tina Malone in that programme?
23: She's amazing.
22: <laughs> and you're also a student midwife. Puts you in a great position to answer this question. Is 50 too old to be having a baby?
23: No, as long as the mum's healthy and the baby's healthy, women should be allowed whenever they want.
22: What about yourself, though? Be honest, would you seriously want to have a child at the age of 50? Personally, do you think that would be too old for you?
23: Uh, maybe for me. It depends on the timing, just what is the situation. <laughs>
22: And just lastly, how often are you seeing people giving birth in their late 40s and early 50s?
23: A lot. There's a lot of IVF nowadays, so it's very common.
22: So what, on a weekly basis?
23: Yeah, that's how it is.
22: Things have changed because of IVF, (laughs) it's happening more and more now.
23: Yeah, and obviously women are a lot healthier now. They're They're able to do a lot more.
22: Very interesting. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. One of the people there, Justin, made
4: a cracking point. uh, I'm 40, I've got two boys, they run run me ragged, and I am exhausted. My wife's 35, I think, yeah, 35, uh, and she can cope with it. But at the age of 50, everything is just that little bit harder, and kids are hard work.
22: Of course they are, but of course uh, you heard from that midwife there that the IVF has uh, changed absolutely everything. So with IVF treatment, uh, she is seeing mothers on a weekly basis in their late 50s. 50s, sorry, oh. sorry, late 40s, early 50s, yeah. having children. So so this is not a one-off. I'll be fascinated to know this morning how many of your listeners are, are maybe pregnant at the moment uh, in the late 40s, early 50s, but but when do people think it is too old? Most people this morning saying to me, Tina Malone at 50 is, I'm afraid, just too old to be a mother. I reckon... For- I mean, it's hard to put a figure on. Everyone's different. I'm going to um, stick my neck out. 42.
4: 42, I think, is the cut-off point. I think a lot of people would uh, be with you this morning, Ian, I have to
22: say. Just, what. We're talking to you later on. You've you, you got a piece for, about, for us, an organ donation. Yeah, we're going to be do, doing a piece on that. Um, how many people carrying organ donation cards? Their family, just um, d- do they know about that? Uh, we're going to be talking about that and also more to come on Prison Votes as well oh. this morning. Lots
4: on the way in. Prison Votes, J-Dog, speak to you later on. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give me a call on that. 50, it's too old to be a mum, isn't it? It really is. Just in terms of the danger of for the children, the children being born. Tina Malone did have two. One of the babies sadly died in the womb, so it's dangerous. And also, can a mum at fifty really give a baby? A mum at fifty-five really give a five-year-old? A mum at sixty really give a ten-year-old the attention that they need? They are hard work. Got my boys again today. Oh, they're going to drive me nuts. Being a mum at 50, it's not really fair, is it? It's a little bit selfish. 08459 455 555, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can also send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Let's get the travel news
7: now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio. Things starting to build up on the M1 southbound around Junction 10 for Luton Airport, and the n 25 busying up anti-clockwise between Junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley, also heavy between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. On the A1M southbound, things struggling around Junction 7 for Stevenage and things are still busy in Harpenden. That's on St Albans Road around Station Road. Public transport has no reported problems. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Alice, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, Just to mention there, we'll be talking about prisoners' votes. It's in the papers again today as more people are calling for prisoners to be allowed to have the vote. Well, surely if they've been excluded from society they should be excluded from having any input into that society, shouldn't they? We'll talk about that more after the news with Jane Killick.
7: Local
3: and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks.
7: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: seven o'clock, I'm Jane Killick. The headlines, campaigners in Luton call for police to wear video recording equipment. 400 people in beds, hearts and bucks waiting for an organ transplant and promise of a refund after rail chaos in Hertfordshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the Luton man who died in police custody, are calling for all police officers to wear video equipment. The Justice for Leon committee is making the case to police and councillors at the town hall in Luton this afternoon. Friend and neighbour of Liam Briggs, Glenn Jenkins, says the system's being trialled in Luton and could be brought in without legislation.
8: The Chief Constable could do this today and she said at the public meeting, I'll do all in my power. Well, let's make sure, Chief Constable, that that camera is on every tunic and is, if you turn it off, it's a disciplinary offence.
1: People in Beds Hearts and Bucks are being urged to talk to their loved ones this Christmas about being an organ donor. The NHS says 400 people across the three counties are waiting for a transplant. Tom Fearon's stepson donated his organs after dying at the age of 24. He says families who agree to donation can know they carried out the last wish of their loved one.
14: It's one reason why it's important to talk to your family. They can feel they've done one last thing for you. You can walk away feeling your loved one was who you believe they were. They wanted to help someone.
1: Downing Street has announced that restrictions to make new European migrants wait three months before they can apply for out of work benefits will come into force on the 1st of January. The measure was announced last month, but no date has been set. An 82-year-old former headmaster of a prep school in Buckinghamshire has been convicted of 12 counts of indecent assault involving five victims over a period of 11 years. Roland Peter Wright committed the offences when he was a master, then headmaster, at Caldecott Preparatory School in Farnham Common in the 1960s and 70s. Gail Sanderson reports. In a statement after the trial, the Crown Prosecution Service said the headmaster breached the trust of pupils at the school and abused his position of authority. They said he had never shown any contrition for his behaviour or apologised for his conduct. He'll be sentenced later. Three other former teachers, John Addison, Edward Carson and Hugh Henry, have already been convicted. Commuters in Hertfordshire hope to avoid a repeat of yesterday's rail chaos, which followed a signal failure. The problem with the signalling system between New Barnet and Alexandra Palace caused widespread disruption to East Coast mainline services. Keith Gips from First Capital Connect says they're offering passengers a full refund. Re- full refund on this occasion
2: we work on the basis where customers get compensation on the journey they're making some other companies do it over a period of time but we pay it on a journey by journey basis what we are doing during this disruption because of the magnitude of it we are paying the full rate of compensation normally we pay 50 percent of the journey but because today's been so bad we'll be paying the 400 of the journey
1: In football, Sunderland beat Chelsea 2-1 and Manchester City beat Leicester 3-1 last night to reach the semi-finals of the League Cup. The weather, a dry and bright morning, will give way to more cloud and outbreaks of rain, becoming very windy too, with temperatures up to 11 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. All this week in Buckingham. Very pretty, very pretty,
24: very historical. I like the market and the people. Lovely place, nice, friendly people. It's a small, traditional market
8: town. And you've got all other different kinds of shops.
3: But there's so many, so much going on. The big tour of beds, hearts and bugs. All this week in Buckingham. BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, bunged up stuffy nose and a horrible chest but don't panic, Mr Mannering don't panic a full show nonetheless, including should the police wear cameras campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the looter man who died in police custody, are calling for it at a meeting with town councillors and the police today Tina Malone has had a baby at the age of 50, she's an actress I want to know, when are you too old to have a baby? And there are calls, yet again, for prisoners to have the vote. Well, what do you think? Do they deserve it? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 four double five five double five.
3: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
7: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: Now,
4: campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the Luton man who died in police custody, are calling for all police officers to wear video equipment to reassure the public. The Justice for Leon committee is making the case to police and councillors at the town hall in Luton this afternoon. 39-year-old Leon died at Luton police station on the 4th of November this year. Cyril Mitchell was Leon's best friend and is also part of Justice for Leon, J4L. Good morning, Cyril. Good morning, Ian. Cyril, tell us a bit about Leon. What was he like?
25: Uh... Leon was one of the most kindest people the community has lost at this moment in time. Was a very outgoing person, helped a lot of people. Um, he was a quiet man. Um, I think it must have been his first interaction with the police that happened, and it's just it's, it's such a shame the community the community has lost a decent member of the. Yeah community and we don't know what to do about it and the police at the moment, it's like they're turning their back on us all and they're, they're going on, instead of doing what they're meant to be doing is policing, they're, they're going a bit gun ho and that's what we're trying to put them back on track really, so that is what it's, them wearing their cameras on their tunics is what it's all about because at the moment Ian, we're a nation of we're a camera nation and uh, they put all these cameras up there and they spend millions on them and then uh, if we put these, these cameras on the, on the tunics of the police officers, it's going to cost Really. I mean, the public and the police in force will get better training, there'll be better scope, be more trust and reliability amongst everybody and we can have the trust which, which as a community and a society we demand.
4: Cameras are being trialled in some parts of the country, aren't they?
25: They're being trialled, but uh, you know if we go, if we we can step out of, of England and go to places in America where they they've been running this scheme for a long time now, and you know the incidents between police and the public has, has dropped greatly when they when they use these sort of systems to give clarification on how they are policing the jobs and how the community are, are receiving them. Now, I don't think there should be a problem or an issue at all. That the police in this country should be wearing it as standard. I mean, at the end of the day, they they don't they they're pushing to wear these these guns and things like that. You would not have to go to that society where police have to wear guns. When they, a simple camera can usually act and make people act differently because they know that at the end of the day, their their reactions can be played back, and people act differently when they're under that sort of um, that sort of system. So I don't see why they're making it difficult for something that can be so cheap and save lives, instead of them spending millions of pounds defending the bad officers which they have got in their their institution. And they can spend a few hundred thousand pounds yeah, and then they'll protect us all. And that's what this bullying is all about. We
4: had a caller on earlier on who said "The, the police don't need to wear cameras. Because every interaction he's had with the police, they've always been very reasonable and and, uh, very polite. Now, he was a white, middle-aged gentleman. I'm a white, middle-class, middle-aged gentleman. Most of my encounters with the police have been friendly. They've been one or two. What is it like for younger people? What is it like for black people out there? Is, Is it really different? Are they treated differently
25: by the police? Most definitely treated differently by the police. And it's not just black people. It's ethnic minority people in general. Yeah. Now... And it's not just the ethnic minority now, you get young... We're a a multinational community society, yeah, and the police have to deal with a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds, yeah. Mm. But they tend to pick on the younger, under 35 to like, say, 18 to 35 and treat that sort of category of people much different, much rougher. I think at the end of the day, the police are the same age as the people they're policing. And they go home at the end of the day, get their little game boys out, and they start going on grand for charisma. And then all of a sudden, they step back into, the, into their uniform, and they and they forget to leave that system behind. And that is what's happening with a small minority of policing.
4: Cyril, uh, so are you going to be at the meeting today?
25: I won't be there today. Right. Um, I'll, I'll obviously, representatives from the Justice for yep. Leon group will be there. Um and if people, people bravo, justice, if people want to find out more about
4: justice people want to find out more about justice leon it 's like, you 've got a facebook page haven 't you we
25: 've got a Facebook page yeah which they can go to um, and on a Twitter page if they go on the on the website it 's on justice for leon for Br- justice for leon Briggs j l yeah all the information is out there lovely Cyril, I pre- you to help ourselves Cyril, yeah.
4: I appreciate your time this morning that was Cyril Mitchell, one of leon 's uh, best friends. I'm joined now by Michael Doherty from Justice Now. Good morning,
5: Michael. Good morning, Ian. Justice Now. What is it? And um, we're an organization that's been running for about five years now um, Looking into issues of police accountability. So not just deaths in custody, but obviously at the pinnacle of um, The sort of police accountability issue is the deaths in custody where there hasn't been a single prosecution since 1969 um, Now I've, I've become involved with the um, Justice for Leon committee in Luton, because I'm running, there's a, a quite a um, historic criminal prosecution running at Luton Crown Court shortly, mm-hmm. um, which I'm involved in uh, of the police. Now, this morning, officer, I've been listening in, and you've had a, had a caller in, um, in saying that that the police don't or um, behave in a sort of um, corrupt way towards people unless they need it. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly, I've become involved in police corruption, which is why my life took this direction. What
4: happened to you? What, what, what was what was your involvement that that, that, that that made you think you want to be involved with something like this? Okay, I
5: have to be a bit careful because there's criminal trials going on, but I will take it in a very, very, yep. sh- very sort of top level. Um, I reported the grooming of my child, 14 mm-hmm. years old, to the Metropolitan Police back in 2008, um, and the police didn't investigate it. When I was asking questions, why my house was dawn raided?
4: Okay. So, is there an investigation going on into this now?
5: It, it, no, 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 no. Okay, no. They, right. they've, they've dropped it. But then okay. we know we know that's the, what happens with child grooming right. issues. But in that in that instance, my recording, filming with my own phone, was what's held the police to account. Right. Not the police accountability system, the, the police watchdog, the IPCC. Um, and I think there's there's a quote in the papers yesterday, which I'm going to read out from, um, uh, Herbert, Nick Herbert, who was a former policing. Um, minister, and I think it 's very, very apt for today and what Nick Herbert has said is I, s- I saw in every force that I visit great people, very brave people, and when things go wrong and when things go wrong, the people most let down are those people but it 's important they don 't blame the critics it 's important they understand that these problems have been caused by elements within the service. The problem isn 't that the light is being shone, the problem is that for too long it wasn 't shone and that's the issue what's going on here cameras the body worn cameras are going to come in into into the police mm. the issue as glenn spoke about this morning is the discretion as to when the police officers So switch in the trial
4: in the trials that are taking place in various parts of the country at the moment the police
5: get to choose when they switch the cameras on and you think that that's that's unfair and won't work well it seems that the, that the whole thing is is um, biased in in the police's favor in that they will choose when and when not to use those cameras um, as with CCTV, the, the sort of line: if you've nothing to fear, mm. or if you've nothing to hide, you've nothing to fear. Uh, why would police officers have any concerns that I- in every interaction with the public, the camera is on? Uh, there shouldn't be really an issue with it because they should be behaving professionally, and in most cases, they do behave professionally. Um, that's why Leon's laws is about. We we want that discretion taken away. We want the, every interaction with the with the public to be on camera, and um, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be.
4: Now, cost. we've heard that it, it won't cost that much, a few hundred thousand pounds, but in, in, at, at a time when police budgets are being slashed, and we're constantly hearing from, from uh, David Lloyd and Holly Martins and all these people that they are having to save millions of pounds, do they have the money to make, to, to invest in these cameras?
5: Well, I think the sort of levels of trust in the British police at the moment are at an all-time historic low. I think lots of people have said that. Um, that that's a cost in itself. Um, There's massive amounts of complaints against police, um, litigation against police in, in these circumstances, the riots which have come about predominantly from a police accountability issue, as Glenn said, the fuel on on the streets of of, of the country, of all those little interactions where... This is most people's interaction with the state is their interaction with the police Mm. and how they feel towards the state is how they having those interactions with the police. I think it should be just a professional uh, relationship with the police. They should be respectful to people and seemingly this isn't the case. I speak to people in what I do with Justice Now up and down the country and, and I've heard some atrocious stories of people's interactions with the police, not just in Bedfordshire. Um, but throughout the, throughout the country, what's happening at the meeting today? What what, what, what can possibly be achieved at the meeting today? Um, obviously, I think it's very very important. I think that I'd just like to say that the Justice for Leon Committee are, are a group of really dedicated individuals from from the Luton area. Um, they should get every support from the, the community because they're doing a sterling effort. And the fact that they, this is now on the council's agenda, um, and, and you've kindly put the put the agenda on mm. uh, BBC Three Counties, I think is fantastic. Um, it's on the agenda, uh, and let's see where it goes from there. I'd like to say, because I think it needs to be cleared up about yep. the numbers of deaths in police custody. Yes. Okay, so to get some figures. Glenn's talked about state deaths in custody yep. about five, six thousand. Um, from Inquest, Organisation uh, Inquest, since 1990 to date, there's been 1,476 deaths in police custody. In police custody? Correct. And I'd like to take you some figures, just to give you a, a compa- very question, very, yes. com- very, very quick comparator. In Germany, a ten-year period from ninety-three to two thousand and three, there were one hundred twenty-eight deaths in mm. police custody. Um, these are IPCC figures from ninety-eight to two thousand and nine, a ten-year period. Three hundred and thirty-three mm. deaths in British police custody. So, so it's, that's it's a so big-
4: significant. Uh, Michael, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Michael Docherty from Justice Now. 08459 Just say we're getting reports this morning that Rob- Ronnie Biggs, the great train robber, has died. We can't confirm this, uh, but apparently lots of people are saying it on Twitter, so we'll bring you more information uh, as soon as we get it. It's 7.15. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the latest travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel
7: news for beds, cards, and bugs.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise, those delays building up now between 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. Also very slow between 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. M1 southbound, looking busy around 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. And slightly further afield on the M1, still heading southbound, there's a partially blocked between 15 for Northampton and the Newport Pagnell Services. Uh, Queues are building up on the approach there after an accident. Public transport has no reported problems. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much.
4: 716 it's Wednesday the 18th of December I'm Ian Lee these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio a campaign launched after a man died in police custody in Luton uh, are calling for police officers to wear video cameras. 400 people across the three counties are waiting for an organ transplant. And as you've just heard, we are getting reports that Ronnie Biggs, the great train robber, has died. and uh, We're just seeking confirmation of that, although it's looking like that probably is the case. In football, Sunderland and Manchester City are through to the next round of the League Cup after wins over Chelsea and Leicester. The weather today, a dry start, but becoming wet and windy with a High of 11 Celsius. 08459 455 555.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine. That's ghastly, it's absolutely disgraceful. Don't talk about morals because he doesn't care about the man in the street. The biggest local talking points. I found
6: out a couple of hours later, it was a murder. Over the phone, they phoned me up and told me.
3: I don't know why you're picking on that man. The JBS show. I feel it's out of place in this country.
23: Let me be really frankly honest with
18: you. Local government and government are doing a good job. I
23: never call in, but I feel so passionate about this topic. The JBS show.
3: Eight days from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. We'll be talking about uh, The Great
4: Train Robbery uh, a little bit later on in the, uh, in the show. There's a, a BBC drama that I think starts tonight. Yeah, starts, on, uh, starts tonight. Um, and it's always struck me as odd that it's called The Great Train Robbery. It's nothing that great about it, you know. A bunch of uh, a bunch of thugs, really. But we'll see. We'll see if we can get confirmation on that uh, as and when we can. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If you want to have your say uh, on that, uh, is J Dog up and ready? Should we have a little word with uh, Justin? Are you there, sir? Justin? No, he's not there yet. Okay, right. Uh, we're talking about organ donation this morning. Um, uh, d- d- have you d- signed up to donate your organs? Have you had that conversation with people? Have you decided that that's exactly what you're going to do? Oh eight four five nine 555. Well, people in beds, hearts and bucks are being urged to talk to their loved ones this Christmas about whether they will be an organ donor. NHS Blood and Transplant say 400 people across the three counties are waiting for a transplant, and this time of year is particularly difficult. They want us to have a conversation with it, not me and you, your families.
22: Justin, have you signed up to donate your organs? Do you know what I haven't yet? Um, I should do. It's one of those things that, that I keep on saying I will get round to. You know, it's very, very simple to go and get an organ donor car, but I just haven't got round to it, which, which sounds pathetic, but I haven't. No,
4: it, do- it, it doesn't because we've done it on this show so often, and my wife knows I want to donate my organs, but I've never signed up for it. When we were speaking to the guests an hour ago, I went online and did it. It took 30 seconds. So really? I'm, la- I'm, I'm official. They can have everything they want from my beautiful, beautiful,
22: untouched. <laughs> Garnished (laughs) body. Good for you. Yes. Now, you've been speaking to people about it, haven't you? Yeah, do you know what, Ian? I'm I'm absolutely amazed by this. I've been in Hemel Hempstead talking to people. Now, you would think, a bit like you this morning, you've signed up, okay? So you would now go home, and I presume that you would tell your family about this, I've just
4: emailed my wife and told her during the news, yeah.
22: Well, yesterday, I was out in Hemel. The first two people I spoke to, they were organ donors, but incredibly, they hadn't told their family. Listen to this. Now, Malcolm, you are an organ donor, um, yes. you had the car, but you never told your family. You've never told your family that, that yeah. you are. Well, why?
26: Because uh, I carried the card in my with my driving licence and I thought, well, if anything happened to me, they would find it. And that would tell everybody else, who all the rest of the family, that I'd signed up for it. Then again,
22: they would have got a shock and they might not have, have liked that shock, of course.
26: Uh, no, it's always difficult, people who left, um, allowing people to take parts of another body. Um, but it won't matter to me because I will have gone anyway. Uh, but at least it helps somebody else. And there's a lot of people alive today that wouldn't be had there not have been an organ for them.
22: And Marilyn, you carry an organ donation card with you at all times. Do your family know that you have that card?
23: No. To be honest, I shall have to tell them now.
22: <laughs> why haven't you had that conversation with them?
23: I, I don't know. I think it's something I did and I just didn't think about telling them, I suppose.
22: How do you think your family might feel if something happened to you, and hopefully that's a long, long way off, but if something happened to you and the card was found and different parts of you were effectively given away, how do you think your family would feel about that?
23: Well, that I would have to discuss with them, you know. I think they'd be all right with it, but it would be my wishes anyhow.
22: Well, it's interesting, isn't it, Justin? Surely it's one of the most important things you can discuss with someone. Absolutely, because, you know, those people saying there, well, well, yes, it's my wish, but of course you don't want to give your family a shock, and I think, you know, to to back this report up, what it's saying today, if people go and they talk to their family and they they say, look, I am an organ donor, this is why I'm an organ donor, of course, that might prompt other people, a bit like you this morning, to sign up and, and save more lives in this country. Justin, can you stay there? I want to talk to you about Ronnie Biggs in a few minutes,
4: if that's. Okay. Yeah, no problem I'll Speak to you in a second, stay there But but uh, meanwhile, on the subject of organ donation Joined by Janice Baylis, Who's a specialist nurse for organ donation Good morning to you, Janice Hello, good morning Why is it so important for families to have this conversation?
24: Um, it's a very difficult time When we speak to families about organ donation Obviously somebody's died or is about to die In very usually tragic circumstances So if they've had that discussion When we go in and speak to them about the possibility of their loved ones being an organ donor, if they've already had that discussion, it takes one more thing um, out of their decision-making process in these circumstances. Um,
4: it's a tough conversation for some people to bring up, I would imagine.
24: It, I think it is a very difficult conversation for everybody, and people often don't want to talk about when they die. But it's um, it doesn't have to be a serious conversation. It just has to be something that can be discussed, and often people are discussing around the table. And schools more and more now have um projects where they look at this sort of thing
4: how does it work when you're you're uh, in a hospital and your husband or your son or your mother is lying there and it, it, th- they're dying at what point does someone come in from the hospital to have a conversation about organs
24: we, we don't speak to families about organ donation until we know that somebody's going to die in the sort of circumstances where they could donate their organs and we don't speak to families until Death is very, very imminent. And then what we can do is we can actually look up on the organ donor register to see if somebody's registered. um So it's not something you do when somebody comes into hospital; it is when somebody is about to die.
4: And the family, even if even if I'd signed up for everything and ticked the box saying yes, you can take what you want from my fantastically beautiful body, my wife could <laughs> still poo-poo it, couldn't she?
24: They they can still say no. It's very unusual, um and it's often when. It comes as a surprise that somebody's on the um, register that they say no. Um, But it is very unusual, and certainly about 90% of families will say yes if somebody's on the organ donor register.
4: Janice, how many people are waiting for a donor, and, and, and how many people die still waiting?
24: Um, about four, three or four people die every day waiting for a transplant. Wow. And sort of in your, your local area, probably about 70 or 80 people died in the last five years waiting for That's, a transplant. And
4: those people could have been saved mm-hmm. if they, they, there, had been a transplant available.
24: And most of those people could have been saved. Wow. Some people are so sick that, um, they won't survive if they get a transplant or they die before a transplant comes to them. But a lot of people are people living with quite ordinary chronic diseases, um, long-term liver failure, long-term renal failure.
4: Janice I appreciate your time this morning Janice Bayliss a specialist nurse for organ donation it's one of those things that we kind of think about doing and I've always been for it I've never got round to signing up until this morning I've tweeted if you follow at Ian Lee I-A-I-N-L-E-E on Twitter I've tweeted the link that I clicked on or you can just Google organ donation register UK takes 30 seconds they want your name and address and you, you, you tell them which things they can have they can have all of my beautiful organs. I've got some gorgeous. Man, Justin, you should see my kidneys. My kidneys. Oh, my spleen is one of the best spleens I've ever seen. <laughs> right. It is
22: a beautiful listen, piece I, of work. I'll take your word for that. I'll take your word for
4: now, that. Now, listen, we, it, it, it's, it's funny, isn't it, how these things often pan out? We're, we're going to be talking about um, the great train robbery, uh, well, in about half an hour, because there's a new drama on uh, television this, that starts this evening. And you and I often lock horns about the Great Train Robbery, don't, yep, don't we? we? Do, yeah. I don't think those gentlemen deserve uh, uh, any infamy at all. They were thugs. They were horrible crooks. They, they did a hor- horrible robbery that somehow has been glamorised. Whatco on, on on Twitter has, has called uh, Ronnie Biggs the anti-hero. Now, we're hearing this morning, we can't confirm it yet, but we are hearing this morning that Ronnie Biggs has possibly passed away. Why are you... Why are you so interested
22: in the Great Train Robbery? Well, i so something interesting happened there. Actually, you probably heard uh, just a, a brief bit of my conversation. I was talking to a man on the street here in and He's uh, just walked away now, but I said we believe that, that that Ronnie Briggs has died this morning. He said to me, uh, "The man was an absolute legend, a hero." Why? Uh, then he walked off. Um, a lot of people still talk about the Great Train Robbery because it is such a big thing in history. It's that that fascination between the cops and the robbers, even the police. At at the time said, you know, that this is absolutely horrible what's happened. Uh, the train driver, of course, the injuries that he had, but but how they pulled this off was was incredible. Still, 50 years on, there is a fascination with it. And of course, particularly for us, because this happened locally, this happened in our part of the world, it happened in Buckinghamshire.
4: Now, I just have to stress, we have no confirmation of this. I know that, that, that some news organizations are saying this. And so when, when we have final uh, confirmation, we will. Let them know. I just think that it was such. A nasty crime. A group of thugs went and cost some poor fella over the back mm. of the head, nicked a load of money, uh, and we all we've all kind of looked up at them as kind of Robin Hoods, but, but they weren't. They were thugs.
22: It, it, it was the way the media portrayed this. It was one of those events. And again, if you said to anybody right now that that, that was alive back in 1963 of a certain age, what were you doing the day of the great train robbery? They would know exactly well, what they were doing.
4: Let's 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 ask someone. Dennis and Dunstable. Good morning. What were you doing on the day of the Great train robbery. Don't tell me you're clambering on the back of a train trying to get money bags. I
27: honestly don't remember, quite frankly. It was okay. after it, was ha- it, it happened, you know. Let's try something else. Dennis, what were you doing yesterday? <laughs> what was I doing yesterday <laughs> thinking about organ do- donation?
4: Have you, uh, just, just very quickly, we, we are getting confirmation. We haven't quite had confirmation yet, but we're hearing that Ronnie Biggs has died. Did, did Ronnie Biggs mean anything to you, Dennis? No, he was a crook. Justin, I'll speak to you later on. Thank you, Rick. Thank you very much indeed, 08459 four double five five double five. Just to say they are still unsubstantiated rumours at the moment, and as soon as we have any confirmation either way,
27: we'll let you know. Dennis, you've called in
4: about organs.
27: Yes. Um, what age have you got to be before they say we don't want them? I organs?
4: don't think they want yours. What are you, 88? Uh, eight, nearly eighty-nine. Uh, okay,
27: yeah, I, I think. No, it was... I asked this because during the Falklands business, yes, as I was i do- uh, I'd always been a blood donor till then. When I offered my blood, they said, "No, you're too old." So are my organs too old? I mean, I've nearly finished using them. They can have them any time they like, any time in the near future. I should oh. have stopped using them.
4: Yours are probably, you know, kind of just barely hanging on.
27: Well, I don't smoke. I've never smoked. I don't drink a lot. Uh, I'm not overweight. Uh, you, you I take got, you reasonable got, exercise. You've got
4: creaky bones, though. We can hear those. No, that's the chair. That's what you say. It's a chair. That's what, that's what you say. It
27: is it's definitely creaky. No, I just say, so what? So if they don't take my knees. Dennis, finally, yes, woman has had
4: a baby at the age of fifty.
27: Oh God. I mean, ask them, our great-grandchildren, what we had our great grandchildren over yesterday, and by God, I was glad to see the bucket. <laughs> She's too old, isn't she, Dennis?
4: Always a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice.
7: Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio. On the A40 eastbound, a lane is closed after an accident by the RAF Northolt. It's adding to the usual morning queues with congestion back to the Swakeley's roundabout. In Dunstable, the A5 is also partially blocked after an accident at Mayfield Road. The N25 anti-clockwise slow between 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. Also really struggling between 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. Public transport, no reported problems there. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio.
7: Across beds, hearts and bugs.
3: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: It's 7.30, I'm Jane Killick. Campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the Luton man who died in police custody, are calling for all police officers to wear video equipment. The Justice for Leon committee is making the case to police and councillors at Luton Town Hall this afternoon. People in beds, hearts and bucks are being urged to talk to their loved ones this Christmas about being an organ donor. The NHS says 400 people across the three counties are waiting for a transplant. New European Union migrants will have to wait for three months before they can apply for out-of-work benefits from January. The move is to be rushed through Parliament before work controls on Romanians and Bulgarians are lifted. The weather, dry and bright this morning, but wet and windy this afternoon. Under sport And in football, Sunderland beat Chelsea 2-1 in the League Cup last night to reach the semi-finals. Manchester City can also look forward to the semi-finals after they won 3-1 at Leicester City. The Milton Keynes Dons captain, Dean Lewington, is hoping their win at Wolves at the weekend will revitalise their season. The Dons are preparing for the visit of Port Vale this weekend. Lewington hopes they can continue where they left off on Saturday.
15: It's a starting point. It's... Um you know, it stops the the bad run to, to an extent, and um, you know, it's a good springboard now to um, to go and do better. But as you say, there's no point, you know, winning one, one game away at you Wolves, know, and if you're gonna if you're gonna lose uh, lose your next couple.
1: Wickham striker Stephen Craig has been ruled out for six weeks with a thigh injury suffered in Saturday's League Two match against Scunthorpe. Liverpool have opened negotiations with Luis Suarez's representatives over a new deal that could make the striker the highest paid player in Liverpool's history. Managing director Ian Eyre returned to Merseyside last night, having spent the previous 24 hours in Spain. In cricket, despite the speculation about his future, the England cricket coach Andy Flower says he's not looking beyond the end of the current Ashes series at the moment. However, Flower insists he's not lost his hunger for the job. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at 8. Call
3: 08459 455
7: 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. OK, well, we've just
4: had it confirmed that Ronnie Biggs, one of the great train robbers, has died. Uh, What are your thoughts on Ronnie Biggs and the great train robbery? It's looked at as one of those iconic crimes, isn't it? Ronnie Biggs looked at uh, as a sort of anti-hero, a a Robin Hood, a a poor man stealing from the rich. Well, well, there were a gang of them. They coshed a driver over the head. They nicked a load of money, and then they all scarpered off the ones that could to different countries to avoid justice. What do you think? I'm really keen to get your thoughts on the Great Train Robbery, on Ronnie Biggs as a person. Is he a hero to you? Is he someone that you look up to? What was that film? Was Bust, Buster? Was that about Ronnie Biggs, or was that about another one? I don't quite know. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Keen to get your thoughts on this. Are they heroes? Was Ronnie Biggs a hero, or were they just a, a, a bunch of thugs? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Why do we look up to uh, people like that, to criminals like that? Why do we make some stories into almost almost folk stories? 08459 455 555. Now, campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the Luton man who died in police custody, are calling for all police officers to wear video equipment to reassure the public. The Justice for Leon committee is making the case to police and councillors at the town hall in Luton this afternoon. 39-year-old uh, Leon died at Luton Police Station on the 4th of November this year. Professor Lawrence Sherman is the director of the Institute of Criminology at the University of Cambridge. He helped design a study looking into how body cameras change cops' behaviour. Good morning, Lawrence. Good morning. Does uh, police wearing uh, cameras, does it really make them behave differently?
28: Well, we, we did an experiment uh, with police in California uh, in which uh, we added the cameras to some shifts and not others, And we found that there was a huge reduction in complaints against the police. But we don't know whether it was because the police changed their behavior or because the complainants um, didn't want to make claims that would be uh, falsified by looking at the the videos. Uh, It it probably was a bit of both.
4: So it it, it can affect the behavior of both the police and the the people on the other side, potential crooks.
28: Well, we don't have a a direct measure of that, but I think... um, uh, to roll it out in this country without further research is a mistake and i'd like to call on the college of policing uh and police uh, uh commissioners uh as well as chief constables around the country to strongly consider uh using the same methods that medicine uses to introduce uh, new surgery or new new pharmaceuticals the, the key thing is to construct uh, to conduct a controlled test as as was done in california uh, for a cambridge master's thesis Uh, The police chief in California came to study uh, part-time at Cambridge in our master's program for police chiefs, and uh, he ran the trial properly, and that's the only controlled trial that's been done in the world. It was cited by a U.S. federal court decision in ordering the police in uh, New York to wear uh, body-worn videos for stop-and-search. And And, um, there are many important questions, like the role of uh, video evidence on uh, uh, making prosecutions in court, Uh, the extent to which uh, people will or won't provide information to the police, Um, it it would be a real mistake just to go ahead and blindly uh, do this uh, with every uh, constable in the country, as opposed to controlled trials with uh, detailed analysis of what effects uh, the cameras will have.
4: It is being trialled on on a small scale in various parts of the country, but it's it's at the discretion of the police officer when they turn the camera on. That sounds flawed to me.
28: Well, I I think it's one of the questions that uh, a proper trial uh, could, could raise. You know, when you say it's being trialed, there's a huge difference between just doing it and doing it with a randomized control design so that you're creating very like-for-like situations with and without the cameras. So you could compare a policy in which officers can turn it on and off at their own discretion with a policy in which they're required to keep it on at all times except when they're uh, going to, to the loo or, or uh, other circumstances, which uh, they can announce on the video uh, and uh, have, it, have it off for that period but then put it back on the rest of the time. And there's various ways to do this, and I think that's what we have to look at very carefully.
4: And are there any plans, do you you know, for more studies to be done in the the UK or in the States?
28: The University of Cambridge is currently in negotiations with several major police forces uh, in the UK to do these trials in a proper way. And uh, I'm uh, guardedly optimistic that we'll be able to conduct uh, much bigger, more robust and reliable uh, trials of the use of cameras here in the UK as a basis for evidence-based policing.
4: Uh, Thank you very much for that, Lawrence. That's Professor Lawrence Sherman, Director of the Institute of Criminology at the University of Cambridge.
3: Call 08459 455 555.
7: BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, wait,
4: double, five, five, double, five. Now, Ronnie Biggs has died at the age of 84 after suffering from ill health. He was part of the Great Train Robbery that took place in Buckinghamshire. Well, I'm joined now by John Woolley, who was a police officer who worked on the train robbery in the 70s. Good morning, John. Good morning to you, Ian. What exactly was your involvement with this, with the Great Train Robbery?
9: Well, at the time of the Great Train Robbery, that's the 8th of August, 1963, I was the young and very recently appointed village policeman for the village of Brill, and uh, I got sent down to checkouts and reported suspicious comings and goings at Leatherslade Farm. And when we got down there and looked into it, of course, it turned out to be the abandoned hideout of the Great Train Robbers.
4: Why do you think the Great Great Train Robbers have... The, the, we seem to have taken them to our hearts in an almost affectionate way, haven't we? Well,
9: it's a story that has never gone away during the 50 years. And uh, I think that's largely attributable to, first of all, the enormity of the, uh, the, the, the the robbery. It was a robbery that was described very recently as being the crime of the century, and that's a tag that has stuck with it over the 50 years. Um, 2.6 million, which would in 1963 have a purchasing power that today you would need something approaching 45 million pounds for Ouch! and so it was a huge robbery it was carried out with um commando expertise it shouldn't be forgotten that it was a greedy vicious crime in which people were badly hurt but it certainly struck a chord with the the public and over those 50 years it has really never gone away, and that is largely due to uh, the, the, the media, the press, the television, because every time something happened, it was all brought up again. Men were caught gradually. Uh, men escaped from prison. Men, like Ronnie Biggs, had a, a very great adventures over in uh, South America for 35 years and certainly appeared to live the high life as the result of the of the money that they had uh, shared from the Great Train Hall.
4: Now, Ronnie Biggs has died uh, at the age of 84 after mm. suffering from ill health. How does that make you feel? Well... <laughs>
9: I'm always sorry to hear when any of my fellow people die. But Ronnie Biggs was a character that I met personally only two or three times at the time of his trial. He was an old man, and uh, he would probably agree that he had lived a full life. I don't suppose I shall do much more than that.
4: Do you feel now, that with with Ronnie passing away, that, that there's kind of closure on the Great Train Robbery?
9: Well, it must be getting very close to that, Ian. Um, within the last month or two, we have celebrated the 50th anniversary. Yeah. Now, the next significant uh, anniversary would have to be the 60th. And who's going to be here to celebrate that or remember it in 10 years' time? At least half of the robbers are now uh, passed on. You've got to remember that at the time of the robbery, 50 years ago, they were in the prime of life. They were in their early 30s, and now, of course, that means that they are now into their 80s. And, you know, that's about as far as most of us get. So with memories of the robbery fading and participants on both sides of the fence the police and the uh, the robbers um, passing on well uh, uh, we must be getting very close to the end of the story
4: What was Ronnie Biggs like? You say you only met him a couple of times but, 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 but what impression did you get from him? Well it's, it's somewhat
9: ironic but um, if you Mention the Great Train Robbery. The first name that comes into the majority of minds is Ronnie Biggs. Mm. And yet, if you know the story, if you attended the trials, if you saw the evidence, then you'll realize that Ronnie Biggs was, in fact, a very minor character in the, in the escapade. He was a, 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 a minor criminal, um, a persistent criminal. If you look at his previous convictions, you'll see that he was always at it, but he wasn't very successful because he nearly always got caught. And his actual participation in the crime of the century was a minor one. The only real contribution he made was to introduce the gang to a retired engine driver who was, his role was going to be, to drive the train from where they stopped it and hijacked it at Sears Crossing down to Bridego bridge half a mile or so where the raiding gang were waiting and 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 the uh, the driver couldn't do this when he got in front of the controls they either he was he was completely faced by the um, excitement or they were unfamiliar controls because he couldn't do it so ronnie biggs's contribution was a minor one and uh, it, it, you know didn't turn out to be of any value in the end.
4: There's a two-part drama starting tonight, The Great Train Robbery, A Robber's Tale and then A Copper's Tale on BBC One tonight and Thursday at 8 o'clock. Should we be making dramas about this kind of thing? It, it, it does glamorise it slightly, doesn't it?
9: Well, it depends on how the uh, the drama is, is, uh, is paced and phased. Um, It can dramatise it, it can make a bit of a romance of it, make these chaps look like uh, Daring Do, Latter-day Robin Hoods. But of course the truth is that it was a vicious, greedy crime, and people got hurt in it. But should dramas be made of it? Well, I don't see why not. It's a story that's certainly captured the imagination, and uh, yeah, people like to hear about it. Um, it takes people of my generation back to uh, their younger days, and a trip down memory lane is always uh, is always good entertainment.
4: John, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, it's John Woolley, who was a police officer who worked on the case and also met Ronnie Biggs, just to confirm that Ronnie Biggs has died at the age of 84 after suffering, as we know, from a long time from uh, ill health. Ooh, what do you think? BBC drama on tonight. Do we, why do we celebrate the Great Train Robbery so much? What is it about it? I've argued with, with Justin Dealey about this countless times. Uh, I, I kind of think we should we should ignore these people and and move on. But it, it, it constantly they constantly make the news. What is it about the Great Train Robbery that made it so well great? I guess oh eight four five nine. 455 555 is the telephone number. Facebook.com forward slash PVC 3CR. You can also send me a text as well if you want. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Ronnie Biggs has died at the age of 84. Well, should we be making such a big fuss about it? Should we be celebrating? And it's interesting because John used the word there, didn't he? Celebrating the great train robbery. We celebrated the 50th anniversary earlier on this year. Oh wait, 459-455-555. Double five, five, double five. It's BBC Three Counties Radio.
7: Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio. We've had a call from Sharon on the M1 northbound about an accident that was at Junction 7 for Hemel Hempstead. Quite slow on the approach there with congestion to 6A for the M25. On the M25 itself, anti-clockwise looking slow now between Junction 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. On the A40 eastbound, there's a lane closed after an accident by the RAF Northolt, adding to the usual morning queues with congestion back to the Swakeleys roundabout. In Dunstable, we've had updates from Alexis and Susie on the A5. That's partially blocked after an accident between the M1 Junction 9 for Redbourne and River Hill. Congestion on the southbound side to Kensworth, but it is affecting both directions. Public transport, no reported problems. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Alice, thank you very much indeed. Right, 7.46, it's Thursday the 18th of December Wednesday the 18th of December What on earth are you thinking, boy? I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio Ronnie Biggs has died after suffering from ill health He was part of the Great Train Robbery in Buck's a campaign launched after a man died in police custody in Luton are calling for police officers to wear video cameras. In football, Sunderland and Manchester City are through to the next round of the League Cup after wins over Chelsea and Leicester. The weather, a dry star but becoming wet and windy with a high... Whoa, 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 why am I telling you the weather?
7: We've got a professional here. Beds,
3: hearts and bucks weather.
7: BBC Three Counties Radio.
17: Well, I just thought I'd go and make a cup of tea. How
4: rude doing. of me, Wendy. How rude. It's all right, I it's shall right. hush myself. You show me how it's done.
17: Shush, you shush. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Well, we have uh, a bit of an overcast start. There's a bit of mist around as well. But there should be some brightness that gets through from time to time during this morning. However, come the afternoon, it's going to be rather cloudy again and there will be some spots of rain around. And in the meantime, the wind is going to be increasing. It's coming in from a south or southwesterly direction. So it's not going to be a particularly cold day. Temperatures will do quite well. We may get as high as nine degrees Celsius in a spotlight like Luton then as we go through the night the first part is going to really turn quite wet there's a band of rain going through that's quite heavy in places it whizzes through clears away after midnight but during the time it's here it's really going to be quite gusty that wind it swings to a more westerly direction as the night goes on and that will sweep in some squally showers from the west as we go through dawn and temperatures will be falling to 3 or 4 degrees celsius so a bit of a nippy night so we start the day tomorrow hopefully with some sunshine we're always at threat of getting some showers particularly later on in the day there's a band that's going to go through uh, coinciding with the evening's rush hour actually that may even have a wintry nature to it so um, we'll keep an eye on that band of rain for you uh, as I say it might turn to a bit of sleet for a time temperatures tomorrow lower than today will be at about 6 or 7 degrees Celsius with that breeze blowing as well bright and breezy to end the week more rain overnight into Saturday which looks like it's going to park itself over our part of the world and give us a rather wet start to the weekend
3: there you are
4: thank you very much, excellently done
3: BBC Three Counties Radio's Big Tour. Coming to towns and villages across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Well, it's a happy little country town. Celebrating all that's amazing about where we live.
5: Nice, friendly town, slightly old-fashioned, you know, nice atmosphere, safe place to be.
3: All this week in Buckingham.
22: This is a kind of a unique place.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of Beds, Hearts and Bucks.
8: Buckingham is a real nice, friendly town and there are genuinely nice people.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio i <laughs>
4: Now, a committee is recommending that prisoners serving under 12 months and prisoners in the last six months of their sentence should be able to vote in local, general and European elections. This story often pops up. Keen to get your thoughts on this. 08459 four double five, five double five. The parliamentary committee examining the draft prisoner voting bill has issued a split report. The majority have recommended that the government present parliament with a bill to enable certain prisoners to vote. The minority recommended putting two options to parliament, the status quo and the preferred by the majority got that good well here's what people in bovington think where they have the mount prison certainly not
10: they've done a misdemeanor and they've been put inside for, for a simple fact that uh, they should have done what they've done so why should they have, have, have the right to vote well they've got certain human rights as long as they're, they're, they're i mean they're getting fed in, in there but uh, as a regard the outside world now
29: i think it's stupid
0: no, definitely not. I
3: think once you uh, go to prison, all those sort of liberties should be taken away. I don't see why they should have any say in what goes on. Um, yeah, definitely
22: not. No, they they're not out in society, so they shouldn't be able to. A definite no, no. Definitely no.
26: No, they shouldn't be allowed to vote. They gave up their right to vote when they broke the law. They're in prison. I mean, you seem quite angry I about quite the, angry the prospect. About yeah, they shouldn't be allowed to vote. Not at all.
22: Your mind can't be changed? No, no, it's not. No Do way. give
4: me a call on this, 08459 555. Listening to that is Jonathan Robinson, who spent time in Bedford jail. Good morning, Jonathan.
20: Good morning, Ian. C- am I allowed to ask what you spent time in prison for? Certainly. I, uh, I fully deserve my time in prison. I uh, stole from my employer and I got what I had coming to me. How long did you serve? I was sentenced to 15 months. Yep. I ended up, in fact, only serving uh, in prison 17 weeks. Wow. Uh, I did six weeks in Bedford, then got moved to a open resettlement stepping stone back to society prison. Wow, I see. Um, which was like Heidi High.
4: Yeah. Is prison, the, the Bedford prison, is prison? We've told it's, oh, it's a holiday camp. Oh, they've got Playstations, they've got Sky TV. Is it, is it really like that?
20: Um, Bedford prison is very Victorian in architecture. Um, I found staff asleep on duty there during a period that Bedford had the highest suicide rate of any prison in England and Wales. I saw, wow. more, I saw more drugs than I've ever seen in my entire life. It's a hub prison. They have to take on board uh, everyone that's sentenced in all the local courts before they ship them out. Um, like the whole prison service, um, total disarray. On the enhanced wing at Bedford, hmm. uh, despite what the MOJ says about only private prisons having uh, satellite television, on the enhanced wing at HMP Bedford were the girly channels.
4: Really? Yes. Wow. That doesn't seem
20: particularly punishing, does it? No. Well, it's, uh, again, I repeat, I fully deserve my punishment. Yeah. But what I saw going on, or not, is Monty Python-esque. Do prisoners, should prisoners get the vote? Well, it's a very touchy subject. And just listening to members of the public talking there, there is obviously a demand from the public that uh, prisoners should have... Their freedom and liberty and rights taken away. Mm. And in many ways, I, reg- I agree. However, 85,000 prisoners a year are let out to rejoin society. Mm. that be your neighbour. I'm sitting opposite you now. I'm an ex prisoner.
4: Yes, and I, I, I could not tell from looking at you.
20: Well, I'm not wearing the You're uh, not the wearing the arrows. arrows. Yes, exactly. Um, I do believe that this idea of in the last lapse of their sentence, slowly. Uh, a tap drip feeding them rights to help them resettle. The biggest irony, though, Ian, is that most prisoners don't care hmm. and the ones that do, ironically, would probably vote Tory. Oh, really? Yes. and Who are pretty much against this. Exactly. And um, what I find more distressing is that the government seems to leap whenever a prison issue comes up that may affect them, yet they've been very quiet about the Ofsted report on prison education of a few weeks ago, which slated Mm. prison education. Most of these people can't read, let alone put an X next to a ballot box.
4: The, the, the argument we heard from lots of people there, speaking to our reporter Justin, uh, was that if you've gone to prison, then your liberty is taken away. Now, l- prison should be, I believe, it should be uh, rehabilitation, but, but th- th- there should also be an element of punishment. Absolutely. By allowing people to have a say in society... Basically, they've excluded themselves from society by yep. committing that crime, so they should therefore not have a say in that society.
20: Yep, I, I, I agree, which is why I, I say again, I think there's some mileage in, in, not necessarily the last six months, but in the last... of their sentence, for instance, as a ballpark figure, about there's some mileage in some discussion about letting those individuals vote. Because I say again, at some point, they're going to be amongst us. Mm. And believe you me, getting out of prison is in many ways... Harder than getting into prison, the adjustment required.
4: In what way? But most people think, fantastic, you've come out of that place of confinement and now you're back
20: in the real world, yippee-doo. Well, exactly, and I personally believe that's one of the issues as to why it doesn't work. I believe we need a more structured stepping stone process, because otherwise it's just kids in the candy shop. Mm. Um, It's like returning to Mother Earth from another planet it, it really is i mean this happened to me two years ago and i'm, I'm still adjusting
4: really in what way how, how are
20: you You still finding things difficult two years later <clears throat> i'm very ashamed of myself i've been working as hard as i can be on prison reform um in my open prison i was barred from teaching illiterate prisoners to read by a private education company that has paid seven and a half million pounds Really? I, was, I was trying to do something constructive with my. I'm an, I'm an educated guy. I used to be a helicopter pilot. I felt like a complete moron about my behaviour, and I thought, right, let's try and put something yeah. back in. In an open prison where there were tennis courts, where people were sitting around doing not a lot. Mm. I was so desperate. And I'd, I'd been trained in Bedford to be a toe by toe mentor. Mm. Arrive at Halsey Bay, get summoned. Uh, members of staff identified me as a trained toe by toe mentor. Mm. You're the toe-by-toe guy, Ray. But you couldn't do anything. You Oh, uh, I, I set up appointments with two adult, illiterate prisoners. John, can you teach us to read, mate? I was delighted at last to, the position to, to do something purposeful, to quote Mr Grayling. Mm. And on September the 1st, 2011, I was summoned by the head of education of a very well-known company, paid seven and a half million quid. Who told you to do toe-by-toe in this prison? I told him. That person has no power in this prison. Well, wow. scrub the appointments. Doesn't
4: sound particularly helpful. We've got uh, Barrys in and Regis. Morning, Barry. Morning, Barry. What do you think? Prisoners having the vote? There's some merit in it, isn't there? Um.
9: Well, I. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think if you if you're away from society, you've done a crime, and you're locked away, then. Um, You shouldn't have the vote, no.
4: What about what Jonathan is saying, that towards the end of their prison sentence, kind of a a soft reintroduction back into society, you start giving them just a few of the privileges that free people have, including voting. What about then?
27: No, wait till they get
9: out before they have it. But what I really rang up to say, we're not actually sort of taking part in the yes or no part, but if someone, if we did give prisoners the vote again, where, which constituency would they vote in? Would they vote in their home constituency by a postal vote, say, coming from their home address, or would they vote in the constituency where the prison is?
4: Look at, you,
20: look at you! Looking at the fine print already. Uh, d-
4: yeah.
20: D- d- thank you very much, Barry. I would imagine it will be where you live, wouldn't it? Yes. Although uh, a lot of prisoners, when they get uh, put into jail, lose their home. Right. Um, oh, okay. So again, that creates more uh, head scratching. Uh, but 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 I I say again, on the wings and landings possibly at the first event election, there may be a bit of novelty, but on the wings and landings, most prisoners uh, aren't that bothered. And the ones that are would vote Tory. And the big thing is, is that people are put into prison for breaking the law. Um, At the moment, the system is getting towards breaking the law itself by denying prisoners the vote. Mm. So it's the law that needs to be changed. Um, And I just wish that instead of us... Uh, all concentrating on something that to prisoners isn't really that uh, important. What they need and what they want is... I'd say a a good 10%, a good 10% want leadership, education, a kick-up the what's-it... Because there is some great potential in prison. And this really shocked me. Mm. I I was expecting the Shawshank Redemption. What I witnessed was was Monty Python. And there are a great number of prisoners who have gone off the rails, who have done bad things, who deserve to be punished. I'm not making any excuses. But we need to stop reoffending. We're all in agreement that mm. the prison system, which costs us nine billion pounds a year, isn't working. Ian, you and I, and a couple of your very uh, enthusiastic production team next door, well, could, could go to <laughs> could, could go to an open prison now. Get ten guys, and with some enthusiasm and leadership, you and I would beat existing reoffending rates hands down. You've
4: got fifteen seconds. Plug your book.
20: Well, it's called In It, and it's uh, exactly what I saw going on, or not, in prison.
4: Jonathan Robertson, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for popping in at short notice as well this morning. 08459 four double five five
7: double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 northbound, there's an accident at Junction 7 for Hemel-Hempstead. Slow on the approach there. Thank you to Sharon for calling in with the update. On the A40 eastbound, a lane is closed after an accident by the RAF North Holt, which is adding to the usual morning queues. And on the A5 in Flamstead, it's partially blocked after an accident between the M1 junction line for Redbourne and River Hill. There's a lot of slow traffic around the area. Public transport has no reported problems. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Alice, thank you very much. Ronnie Biggs has died. Why do we still look up at the great train robbers? As though there, there was something special.
7: We'll talk about it more after the news with Jane.
3: Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks.
7: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: 8 o'clock, I'm Jane Killick. The headlines, great train robber Ronnie Biggs has died. Campaigners in Luton call for police to wear video recording equipment. A new law to restrict migrants' access to benefits is to
3: be rushed through. BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Ronnie Biggs has died. He was 84 and had been suffering from ill health. Biggs was part of the gang who carried out the Great Train Robbery in Buckinghamshire 50 years ago. It gained him celebrity, even though his role in the crime was relatively minor. John Woolley was the young police officer who discovered the robber's hideout. He had this reaction.
9: I'm always sorry to hear when any of my fellow people die, but Ronnie Biggs was a character that I met personally only two or three times at the time of his trial. He was an old man, and uh, he would probably agree that he had lived a full life. I don't suppose I shall do much more than that.
1: Campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the Luton man who died in police custody, are calling for all police officers to wear video equipment. The Justice for Leon committee is making the case to police and councillors at the town hall in Luton this afternoon. Friend and neighbour of Leon Briggs, Glenn Jenkins, says the system's being trialled in Luton and could be brought in without legislation.
8: The Chief Constable could do this today and she said at the public meeting, I'll do all in my power. Well, let's make sure, Chief Constable, that that camera is on every tunic and is if you turn it off, it's a disciplinary offence.
1: People in Beds Hearts and Bucks are being urged to talk to their loved ones this Christmas about being an organ donor. 400 people across the three counties are said to be waiting for a transplant. NHS Blood and Transplant says this time of year is particularly difficult for people who need a life-saving transplant. An 82-year-old former headmaster of a prep school in Buckinghamshire has been convicted of 12 counts of indecent assault involving five victims over a period of 11 years. Roland Peter Wright committed the offences when he was a master, then headmaster at Caldicott Preparatory School in Farnham Common in the 1960s and 70s. Gail Sanderson reports. In a statement after the trial, the Crown Prosecution Service said the headmaster breached the trust of pupils at the school and abused his position of authority. They said he had never shown any contrition for his behaviour or apologised for his conduct. He'll be sentenced later. Three other former teachers, John Addison, Edward Carson and Hugh Henry have already been convicted. New restrictions to make European Union migrants wait three months before they can apply for out-of-work benefits will be rushed through Parliament to come into force on the 1st of January. The measure was announced last month but the date had not been fixed. In football, Sunderland beat Chelsea 2-1 and Manchester City beat Leicester 3-1 last night to reach the semi-finals of the League Cup. The weather, a dry and bright morning, will give way to more cloud and outbreaks of rain, becoming very windy too, with temperatures up to 11 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties.
3: We're coming to towns and villages all across our counties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts, and bucks. Being local, just keeping it local.
5: Nice place to live, nice place to bring up the kids.
22: All this week in Buckingham. I like to support the local shops where we can.
3: I think it's nice for a catch up. Well,
23: it's a happy little country town, which is vitally important that we still support it.
3: The big tour of beds, hearts, and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about between nine o'clock. We'll get your reaction to the news just in this morning that the great train robber, Ronnie Biggs, has died. What was he to you? A hero or a villain? Should police wear cameras? Campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the looter man who died in police custody, are calling for it at a meeting with town councillors and the police today. And have you had a conversation with your loved ones about whether you're an organ donor? NHS blood and Transplant say you must. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send a text 81333, start your text 3CR or give me a call
7: 08459 455 555.
3: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
7: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: The Press Association is reporting that the man who became the best known of the gang involved in the great train robbery of 1963, Ronnie Biggs, has died. He was 84 years old. Biggs served only 15 months of his 30-year sentence for stealing £2.6 million from the Royal Mail train. He thwarted all attempts to bring him back to Britain from abroad until illness intervened. Danny Shaw looks back at his life. Hey!
30: When Ronnie Biggs returned to Britain in 2001 after spending half his life on the run, he'd become a celebrity criminal, treated with affection by parts of the press and public for cocking a snook at the law. Biggs had escaped from prison, where he was serving a 30-year sentence for his role in the great train robbery, known as the crime of the century.
9: I don't regret the fact that I was involved in the train robbery, and uh, as a matter of fact, I'm quite pleased with the, the idea that I was involved in it. Why? Well, because it's given me a little, a little place in history, shall we say? You know, I've, I've made a mark for myself. My poor old daddy used to say to me, "I know you'll, you'll make good one day," you know. Well, I made good in a curious
4: way, I suppose, you know, I mean, I became infamous. Well, I don't know if... Making good, Justin, if you could call it that, making good, being involved in in a robbery where a fellow was coshed over the back of the head, then cowardly living in Brazil for 30 years
22: and appearing in films with the sex pistols. Is that making good? The thing is, though, Ian, you know, when it comes to the great train robbery, 1963, it was such a... Uh, such a famous crime that the media hyped it up. Of course, reporters on the streets in Buckinghamshire saying, do you see them as, as heroes or, or as villains? It was such a famous crime. Cathy's with me here, live in Luce. And Cathy, good morning. Um, you were 14 years old back in 1963. Ronnie Biggs has just died. As I was saying to Ian there, a lot of people described him over the years as a hero. W- what's your thoughts on Ronnie Biggs?
23: Criminal. Criminal. He deserved what he
22: got. So the sentence at the time was very, very long, but you think he deserved everything he got? Yeah. Yes, yeah. And how did it make you feel when you saw him living abroad, living this incredible lifestyle after escaping? How did that make you feel when you saw those images? Angry,
23: because he's living on a life of crap. He's living off that money mm. that he'd done the damage, killed that the driver mm. or whatever whoever it
22: was of a shocking crime and yep. they all deserved what, what they, got. they got. Yeah, Thank you very yes. much indeed. Right, That's uh, so Cathy there, uh, live on the streets this morning. It is going to be, of course, uh, a huge story today, Ian, but as I mentioned to you earlier on, everyone uh, back in 1963, of a certain age I'm convinced on this one, they will know exactly where they were when they heard the news reports about the Great Train Robbery.
4: It just it does strike me as odd that we are that, you know, that
22: people celebrate him as a hero, as though he was something special. Well, I think, you know, some people who would describe him as a hero, and when this news broke at just after 7.30, I spoke to somebody on the street and they said, yes, he was a hero. Now, he walked off before I managed to, to find out exactly why, but a number of people will still think that that he got won over on the government and good for him. There will still be people out there listening right now who do believe that. It was such a famous crime, and of course it happened locally in Buckinghamshire as well, so a major local connection for us, but, but yeah, a lot of people do think that, that him and the rest of the gang, the, the way they came up with the plan, uh, the way they pulled it off, and, and the way they made the government look stupid, um, a lot of people did see them as heroes.
4: OK, Justin, thank you very much indeed. I want to take your calls this morning. Ronnie Biggs, hero or villain? 08459 four double five five double five. What are your thoughts on this? Mary's in Hemel. Morning, Mary. Good morning. Good morning, Mary. What do you think? Ronnie Biggs, hero or villain? Villain. Tell me why.
23: Right. The crime itself, For the, it was, I'd just left school about that time, and I knew the area roughly. Um, yes, it was a huge thing, as you say, locally. And it was audacious. For the time, it was the best planned, most successful crime. But... They got their just desserts. He ran away with a lot of the money. He lived the life of Riley. He comes back to this country when he's old and frail to do a deal. He comes, yes, if you are seriously ill and terminally ill, you shouldn't die in jail if it's at all possible. But he was a criminal. He wasn't a hero. In those days, if you put yours 15, 20 quid in the post office or in your savings account, it all went by train to wherever. He didn't rob the rich. He robbed every one of us.
4: But the money would have... It was insured. People wouldn't have lost their savings, would they? Of
23: course you do. If it's insured, we all end up paying more, don't we, in the end of it? Film, Insurance goes
6: up and everything, films and we get there's,
4: there's a drama uh, that starts tonight on B- the BBC. He recorded songs with the Sex Pistols. <laughs> I shan't be watching. Mary, thank you very much indeed. Joe's in Letchworth. Morning, Joe. Good morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Ronnie Biggs, who's, who's passed away today. Hero or villain?
31: Scumbag. Plain and simple, mate. He was. Um, he didn't do anything good, and um, I'm really surprised that we. we we glorify people like this and it's really dis- disappointing we should we should be glorifying people that uh that do good things in the country and that aspire to you know t- to great things not to someone who robbed the train done the off and then got caught And I mean how can you call it the great train robbery they all got caught they're a bunch of muppets
4: yes there, y- there is that aspect <laughs> <There>
31: <laughs> I'm, is. I'm just and you know me i'll say it how it is but there's nothing great about it whatsoever. People got injured. They rubbed they rubbed the train and but when people say, "Oh, they, they were a hero," well, you look at the definition of hero, and it certainly doesn't come under Ronnie Biggs or, or anything.
4: But we do, we do have affection, don't we, for kind of counterculture heroes, Bonnie and Clyde, uh, the great train robbers. There are these people that do naughty things, but we kind of look up to them because they are fighting against the man. They're doing what what some of us would like to do, but are too cowardly to do. Isn't it? Is is there any romance in these crimes?
31: I think with the Bonnie and Clyde then possibly but then you know once you do one you open it up that, that's sort of opened up to the great train robbery and then you've got Guy Ritchie doing not stopping two smoking barrels and snatch and it just glorifies it to, to a way that makes people sort of feel empathy for it and it's I, I think it's a real shame mate that Kids and teenagers think that that is 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 a role model. I mean, I don't. I certainly don't want my two kids growing up with Ronnie Biggs or the Great Train Robbery being a role model. And I don't think you would either, mate.
4: Uh, Joe, thank you very much indeed. Phil's in High Wycombe. Morning, Phil. Hi, yeah. How you doing? Yeah, good. Ronnie Biggs, hero or villain? Oh, scumbag! I, I can't. Well, I want to echo with that last bloke said. To be honest with you.
13: Um, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just what I want to say is, is Britain is, is a soft touch. I mean, he was ill, right? He went away when he was when he, he got caught. He went away to Brazil, I think he was. And then when he was ill, he come back and good old blighty he flipping looked after him. They should have left him there. You know, I mean what what It's just it's been a soft touch looking after everybody again after what he's done. You know, I mean, you probably get the religious lot ringing up and the Bible thumpers ringing and saying, no, you shouldn't be talking like that. But it's it's true. You know. It's ridiculous.
4: We, we, Jerry's posted on Facebook, so Ronnie Biggs has died. Should we mourn his passing? Surely it would be better and have more impact on his family if the BBC and others ignored his death and treated it just like any other old man passing. This may, man made money and notoriety out of his actions.
13: Well, yeah, he's got a point. And another thing, is, I mean, that, in, that um, interview you just did there with him, I mean, he was glorifying what he was doing. You know, he's got no remorse about what he did whatsoever. He's an absolute scumbag. It's a good job he's gone.
4: Phil, thank you very much indeed. Oh, 08459 four double five five double five. If you're just waking up, the news is that Ronnie Biggs, the great train robber, has died. This morning we're asking hero or villain.
30: Richard's in Bedford. Good morning, Richard. Oh, good morning very much, too. How are you?
4: Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah. Ronnie Biggs, hero <coughs> or villain? Well,
30: well I, excuse me. Um, I uh, mourn the death of anyone i know he committed a crime and if it wasn't for the violent attack on that driver it would have almost been a perfect crime wouldn't it so i can't condone what they did but it was a working class crime um and they've gradually been caught and they have paid the price today bankers get away with it and don't go to prison do they
4: you know so um here's a parallel there there's a tweet here. let me. This is a tweet from Squiffy, who looks like I'm just trying to look at her photograph. She's a sort of middle-aged lady. She says Ronnie Biggs was a hero to the common man who would all have loved to have the guts to do the same.
30: Yeah, that's right. Really? Yeah. But, 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 well, you see, it, it's the... Um, <laughs> I can't condone a violence against that driver. I mean, he paid the ultimate price, and I think he died of his injuries. Well, he, he was severely—he
4: he, he died a few years later, I think, and he was severely injured, yes, but he, he got, got cost over injured. the head, I think he, he contributed to to
30: his death, and, you know, that, that, to me, I can't condone that. If it hadn't been for that, that as I say, that would have been a perfect working-class um, crime, <laughs> and, um, you know, that's why it's the great train robbery in people's minds, but... Um, yeah, it, as I say, there were people committing crimes all day long.
4: Richard, uh, thanks very much. I just want to move on I, I just want to squeeze Ian in Oxford in. Morning, Ian.
31: Morning,
4: Ian. I, Ian, turn your radio off. I, I'm asking this morning, Ronnie Biggs, hero or villain? I don't think he's either. I think he's in the middle. I have quite a bit of
31: respect for the guy. Remember, pe- back then, people were were, 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 were were ranked. And armed robbers had, were held in great esteem. And I think that's where all the reports come from. How he's been glorified and why there's been films made. But you've got to remember, at the end of the day, there's murderers and there's paedophiles, and he doesn't fit into that, that category. He's a, he's a criminal, fair enough, and he did wrong. But, um, you know, there's the, the far worse crimes committed. And the couple of guys you've just had on, the one that, that called him a scumbag, you know, these holy as in thou people, they really need to have some respect for the dead.
4: Even if that person was involved in a violent crime, uh, 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 we should still respect them. I think we should. I think we should. We should have respect for the dead
31: because the guy's died, and there's some some bloke from High Wickham coming on calling him a scumbag. He should have a bit a bit more respect.
4: The, c- comparing uh, uh, t- t- Ronnie Biggs to paedophiles and murderers, it, it doesn't necess- it doesn't detract from the fact that the crime that he he undertook was still particularly vicious and unpleasant, does it?
31: It was. It wasn't a nice crime. It was a, 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 an audacious crime. Um, and when you say it's a violent some, a member of that group hit this, uh, this, this train driver. We don't know who it was. Um, no, because
4: they, the they're, all, they're all too cowardly to stand, to stand trial and uh, all too cowardly to say who'd done it. Well, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the, the, the thing. But at the end of the day, we should have a bit of respect for him and people shouldn't be coming on the radio... It's uh, family listening and calling to Come back, Ian. I appreciate your call this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Well, there we go. Different sides of the coin. Ian says that that uh, Ronnie Biggs sits somewhere in between hero and villain. What do you think? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five is the
7: telephone number. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice Glossop. Travel news for beds, hards, and bugs.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio. Things looking good on the M1 northbound now, everything's returned to normal after an earlier accident at junction 7 for Hemel-Hempstead. Southbound is still struggling though, between 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel. On the M25, anti-clockwise things are slow now, between 20 for Kings Langley and 15 for the M4. On the A40 eastbound, all lanes have reopened but there are still queues after an accident by the RAF Northolt. Congestion going back to the M25, junction 16 for the M40. In Flamstead, the A5 is partially blocked after an accident between the M1 Junction 9 for Redbourne and River Hill. Congestion on the southbound uh, side to Kensworth. Thanks to Alexis and Susie for phoning in with updates. Public transport has no reported problems. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you very much. Don't worry, Jonathan, I shall, I shall fill you in on the details of my really boring <laughs> I'm, day. I'm on, on the edge of my I seat. had the most boring, wasteful day ever. I'll tell you in a second. Hang on, let me just do this. Right, 8.17... <laughs> It's Wednesday, the 18th of December. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ronnie Biggs has died 50 years after carrying out the great train robbery in Buckinghamshire. A campaign launched after a man died in police custody in Luton are calling for police officers to wear video cameras. And in football, Sunderland and Manchester City are through to the next round of the League Cup after wins over Chelsea and Leicester. The weather today, a dry start, but becoming wet and windy with a high of 11 Celsius. Wow.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from 12 Nick Coffer brings you
27: Going from the saint to to bond was rather like a diamond being put into a much more expensive intricate setting.
23: I believe women have affairs because they seek love and affirmation so you know my marriage went wrong and I had an affair but I would not have done that had I not been unhappy I think.
29: I left school wanting to be a magician but my mother wouldn't let me because my auntie Maureen was in show business and she was a naughty lady. Nick
3: Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. The long and
4: short of it is, Jonathan. At 8.15, I slunk out feeling less than a man. I got in my car and drove away. As I was halfway home, they phoned me up and told me that the package had arrived. Oh. A whole day wasted, waiting for things, building things, collecting things, but collecting the wrong
2: things. Infuriating. I was a furious. Furious. Are you making me mad just thinking about this? I'm making you mad, yes. (laughs) Don't make him angry.
4: You wouldn't like him when he's angry. Did you... um, I was listening yesterday to uh, uh, the consumer hour Mm. but I was losing the signal a bit because I was driving away (laughs) losing the signal a bit Mm. did you not help somebody with their problem because they don't listen to the show anymore it's very rude and I,
2: I, I only heard bits, I heard it coming in and out. What was what was his beef? He said, uh, well, he, he started off, it was all very nice. He yeah. said that, uh, you know, he, he he was interested in the problem, and I, I explained about the problem. We put the problem on Facebook. We had lots of comments. And, uh, was this the parking ticket? Yeah, Mike? the parking ticket. He seemed like a reasonable He seemed like a very nice chap. And then when I started reading him all the responses that were coming through from the listeners, he said, oh, I'm amazed so many people listen. I said, what do you mean? He said, I didn't think anyone listened to this anymore. (laughs) He said, I've not listened to your show for ages. I listened to Radio 4. So I cut (laughs) him off. (laughs) <laughs> Perhaps Radio Four could help him with
4: his parking ticket I problem because I heard him talking about it, and he parked a little bit over the line, and he got a parking yeah. ticket. And you were rightfully pointing out, "Well, hang on, but that chap's parked over, causing you to park there." We'll see what we can do. Yes. And then I heard him say something about. I, I stopped listening to you since you started playing that like, so-called music. Yes. And then I, I think you, you let him go, did you? Yeah. Radio Four can help him. It was a brilliant bit where he said, "Oh, is that it then?" Yes, it is. Bye bye. <laughs> Both you and Tim sounded really cross. Good for you. Well. Good for you. Well done. Do you think? No, I do totally think. I laughed a lot when I, cause I, I thought that's what happened. <laughs> I wasn't totally sure. I laughed a lot. Uh, and But, you know, good for you, because he was being quite, well, I don't listen anymore
2: since you started playing music. Yeah. But I still want you to help me out with my consumer problem. <laughs> oh, fine. I see. Wonderful. How to make friends. <laughs> Silly. So- listen, if you're going to phone up for the consumer, at least pretend you're listening. <laughs> exactly. To him, at least thing. try to be nice. Now, what's on your show this morning? Well, very special one today. The hands are, jazz hands are up. Jazz hands because today is a little bit unusual. Oh. Uh we'll be taking your calls a little later on in the show. What? Because today is my drink driving special. Oh, wonderful. Uh now back in November you'll recall because you were talking about it as well. We reported yep. that Thames Valley, Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire all make the top 10 when it comes to the number of people caught drunk behind the wheel of a car. Yes. And many people, including you, Ian, were saying, right, this is... Leave that alone. This is the time we need a zero-tolerance approach, you were saying. We've got to change the law, zero-tolerance. Well, I disagreed. You know, I said to you at the time, I said, you know, I'm one of those people that if I go out for a, for a meal, yeah. um, I'll allow myself a little Pinot Grigio with my pasta or whatever. I'll drive home a couple of hours later. Why should I be turned into a criminal just because some people go out and get absolutely legless yeah. and then drive a car? But 65-year-old Kerry from Stondon called me to say that he would be a better driver at his age than I would be after a Pinot Grigio. Wow. He challenged me to learn more about how alcohol affects my driving, so I took the challenge. And you'll hear exactly what happened after nine this morning. I'll give you a little idea. I drank an entire bottle of Pinot Grigio and drove a car. More on the show after nine. You don't want to miss it. Lovely.
3: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
7: This is Ian Lee.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the Luton man who died in police custody, are calling for all police officers to wear video equipment to reassure the public. The Justice for Leon committee is making the case to police and councillors at the town hall in Luton this afternoon. 39-year-old Leon died at Luton police station on the 4th of November. Well, Justin Daly has been outside Luton Police Station this morning seeing if people agree with the use of video
25: recording. Well, I think it would make sense. I mean, the, the traffic wardens in London have got recording equipment on their uniform eh, to save any concerns or when people are being violent and aggressive towards them. So I don't see why anybody would have a problem. Unless you're doing something wrong, I don't see why anybody would have a problem with it. Then there's no... There's no questions to answer then, is So you'd have
22: absolutely no problem. If you were having a conversation with a police officer and they're recording you, you'd have absolutely no issue with that at all?
25: None at all. I can't see what the problem would be. I mean, it's good for the police as well, because if if false accusations are put in against them, they can prove what happened at the time. It's also good for the public. If they make an accusation against the police, it can be proven that something went wrong.
22: Dexter, you're in your 20s. The police uh, have stopped you at various points... How would you feel if the police were recording absolutely
26: everything that happened? How would you feel about that? Uncomfortable. Just knowing that they're, they're, they're going to be going back to the police station and knowing they're watching footage and I'm all over the footage, clearly that I haven't done anything wrong. My personal opinion is I, w- I wouldn't be happy with that, knowing that they're sitting back watching. And If it's to prevent crime, which is fair enough, but have to, most of the time it's not. And
22: just lastly, you have been stopped by the police various times. What exactly have you been stopped for? Drugs,
26: burglaries and gun crime, they're the main ones that you get stopped for, or that I've been stopped for in Luton. So they've stopped you and searched you, have they found anything? No, never. Never found me with
22: nothing. How does that make you feel, that they have stopped you time and time again, but they found nothing? Annoyed.
26: You feel you get harassed. Um, And obviously when you're busy and you you haven't got time and and you stop, especially when you get stopped in the same area and the same world and, and, and you live in that area... And they, and they see you walking around, and they, they, they might expect you to be up to up to no good, but you live in the area, walk around, what, what are you supposed to do? You know what I'm saying? What? You, can't, you can't walk around without getting stopped and looted nowadays. Like, with me walking down the street with a hood up, that's, that's that's a good enough reason in the police side, just to pull me over.
22: I mean, clearly you've got no trust in the police, and again, you don't agree with the filming, do you? No, I don't agree with it, no.
4: Thank you, Justin. Joined now by Nigel Leskin, who's a partner at Burnberg Pierce, the solicitors for Colin Roche, who died at Stoke Newington Station, Jean-Charles de Menezes, who was shot by police, the Birmingham Six and the Guildford Four. Good morning, Nigel. Good morning. Nigel, what's your involvement with Justice for Leon?
26: Um, I I I didn't know Leon, but I know people involved with his campaign, some of them, and I think that it's um, really important that the police are held to be account- accountable in, in all cases, um, that they have the opportunity to put across what they did and that the public can see whether they acted properly or not because it's important to have a police force that we have faith in and uh, I went in support of, happened um, I was at the vigil outside the police station a couple of weeks ago which was extremely well attended um, and I support the, uh, their, their calls for Um, A proper inquiry into what happened, but also the calls for what they call Leon's Law—the the cameras, the body cameras being worn by police officers when they're dealing with the public.
4: Why do you think police officers wearing cameras and recording everything would would make such a difference? Why is it so important?
26: Well, I think it's important because, as, as your very first person you just talked to outside the police station said, it works both ways. It protects the police when allegations are made against them, and it protects the, um, the, the public of being searched to ensure that they're the, the, the not misquoted, what's happened, that violence isn't used against them, that items aren't planted on them, etc. I mean, I have a, an example which I can, I'd like, like to give you. It comes from a case that I dealt with last year where police were surveilling um, were surveying and um, following people and they had uh, lots, of, lots of, so there was always cameras on them, etc. Um, so the police, the idea that oh well, if you just stop and search the, what the young man was saying at the end was that he wouldn't like the idea of them having Information on him well, they have all that information anyway they have surveillance they have um, CCTV they have photographs, etc but in this particular case, they were following surveying and, and, and filming and, and had CCTV, and were filming with video cameras of what happened they um, armed men then de- armed, armed officers then decided to arrest um, two men one, one of them was my client and um, the police officers knew that they were being filmed, but also knew that the film was, was policy to stop the film at the point of arrest. So the film of what happens shows the police officers come out with their guns up and armed police jump on the uh, men and the men go being taken down to the ground. The camera then switches off and we have the police officers um, statement which says, um, I saw a male prone on the footway being restrained by armed officers. And this is a police officer saying this. I moved over to assist the officer who was searching, um, my, my, my client. Um, and the officer goes on to say, Fearing that he was intent on escaping, thus refusing to mis- permit his arms from being restrained, I covered him with my firearm and attempted to distract him with a kick to his left shoulder. As I did this, he moved slightly, and my foot struck the top of his head. This seemed to distract him. Well, obviously that then became an incident. What actually happened? Mm-hmm. If um, the officer's account, which seems. Seemed to, uh, to It cli- uh, seemed to most people reading it quite unlikely, but then there was my client's account that he wasn't doing this and he was just um, attacked by the officer and he had injuries, and, and that, that was the way the officer was explaining. If there had been cameras, if they hadn't switched off the CCTV, uh, sorry, the, the video camera at that point in time, there would have been no dispute. Um, so I think it's really important that everybody can see and have faith, that both for the police's point of view and, and the um, public's point of view what happens and that's why in custody offices now in police stations um for the last um, five years or so there have been cameras at every um in the custody office in the main custody office and outside the cells and so that 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 one and and the sound with it as well so that when somebody is arrested in most parts of the public most parts of the police station where a defendant's going to be not all parts but in most parts um those cameras, which, which will monitor
4: what happens. Nigel, thank you very much indeed. That's Nigel Leskin, a partner at Birnberg uh, Pierce, excuse me, 08459 455 555. Your calls on that, and also more of your calls on Ronnie Biggs, who's died at the age of 84. Hero or villain? I've just retweeted a comment um, from Squiffy, who says, Ronnie Biggs was a hero to the common man who would all have loved to have the guts to do the same. Really? Really? 08459
7: 455 555. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, hards and bugs.
0: BBC 3 Counties Radio. Flam said the A5 is partially blocked after an accident between the M1 Junction 9 from Redbourne and River Hill. Congestion on the southbound to Kensworth but it is affecting both directions. The A40 eastbound, they're accused after an earlier accident by the RAF Northolt. Congestion back to the M25 Junction 16 for the M40. The A1M southbound heavy at Junction 7 for Stevenage and the M1 southbound also looking heavy between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. The M25 anti-clockwise still struggling between Junction 20 for Kings Langley and 15 for the M4. Public transport has no reported problems. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio.
7: Across beds, hearts and bugs.
3: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: It's 8.30, I'm Jane Killick. Ronnie Biggs has died. He was 84 and had been suffering from ill health. Biggs was part of the gang who carried out the great train robbery in Buckinghamshire 50 years ago. Campaigners in support of Leon Briggs, the Luton man who died in police custody, are calling for all police officers to wear video equipment. The Justice for Leon committee is making the case to police and councillors at Luton Town Hall this afternoon. Police have told the BBC they believe the former Lost Prophets singer Ian Watkins, who's been convicted of child abuse, may have had more young victims in other countries. Two women, including one from Bedford, have also pleaded guilty to sex offences. The weather, dry and bright this morning, but wet and windy this afternoon. On to sport and in football, Sunderland beat Chelsea 2-1 in the League Cup last night to reach the semi-finals. Manchester City can also look forward to the semi-finals after they won 3-1 at Leicester City. The Milton Keynes Dons captain, Dean Lewington, is hoping their win at Wolves at the weekend will revitalise their season. The Dons are preparing for the visit of Port Vale this weekend. Lewington hopes they can continue where they left off on Saturday.
15: It's a starting point. um, It stops the the bad run to to an extent, and um, it's a good springboard now to um, to go and do better, but as you say, there's no point winning one one game away at Wolves if you're you're going to lose your next couple.
1: Wickham striker Stephen Craig has been ruled out for six weeks with a thigh injury, suffered in Saturday's League Two match against Scunthorpe. Liverpool have opened negotiations with the representatives of Luis Suarez over a new deal. It's believed the deal could make the striker the highest paid player in the club's history. The England cricket coach Andy Flower says it's only right that he focuses on the remaining two test matches in the Ashes series rather than talking about his future plans. Speculation continues over whether he'll continue in the role, but Flower insists he still has the hunger for the job. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at nine. Call 08459 455
3: 555.
7: BBC Three Counties Radio
4: morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning. We're asking whether um, police should uh, be uh, equipped with cameras that record all the time. Is 50 too old to have a baby? Should prisoners get... There? I know loads of things. But the main thing that's grabbed your attention is the uh, news this morning that the great train robber, Ronnie Biggs, has died at the age of 84. Well, I'm asking hero or villain. Really? And by the way, don't ever have a film or a TV series made about your life. The day the Nelson Mandela film gets premiered, boom, he goes. The day that the Ronnie Biggs, the Great Train Robbery um, programme is being shown on BBC, he goes. Seriously, that that film they were going to make about my life story, forget it. Hero or villain? Mark on Twitter says, Apart from the train driver being coshed, he only got a black eye, wouldn't we all have liked to have been part of it? No. I genuinely wouldn't. I don't think there's anything glamorous or heroic or exciting about it. 08459 four double five five double five. Pete in Wolverton. Pete, Ronnie Biggs, hero or villain? Good morning, Ian. Peace be with you, brother. Peace be with you, Pete.
10: Um, I don't know villain or hero, who cares? But uh, the government brought uh, this man into uh, the public eye by ensuring that he got such a long prison sentence for a robbery, whereas if somebody had uh, run down half a dozen people on the zebra crossing while being drunk at the same time. They'd only got five years and a £300 fine. There, there was the uh, underlying statement uh, that made Ronnie Biggs the fame
4: that he's become. Pete, it's very often I disagree with you, but I disagree with you on this. You don't. Yeah, but I, I, think, I do think that comparing sentences for various offences, I, I don't think it makes... It, I don't think it's, it's a fair comparison. Yes, uh, knocking someone down while you're drunk driving, you don't get much, but that doesn't mean we should lower the sentence that Ronnie Biggs got. We should up the sentence for the uh, drunk
10: drivers. That, that's my point. Um, the, the people that uh, really um, do take lives and, and, and really couldn't give a damn, because let's face it, when, you, when you're when you drunk, you don't give a damn about anything or anybody, um, That that the sentencing... Uh, of people really should be revived and should have been revised. If Ronnie Biggs got 30 years, somebody that did such an awful thing as running down somebody with a motor car while drunk should have got maybe 60 years.
4: I can't argue with that, Pete. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. and in Hemel, Lynn, hero or villain? Lynn?
6: I'm in Potter's Bar, actually, if it's the same one.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, Lyn, it is. It says Hemel on my... Screen. Can we say Hemel, just for well, convenience yeah. sakes? Oh, I'll, I'll
6: move to Hemel, Thank Lynn's,
4: <laughs> Lynn Lyn, who's just moved to Hemel. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. Hero or morning.
6: villain? Um, well, it, the gentleman in front of me has just said more or less what I was going to say at the time I was working at the local police station, and when it happened, the police were shocked, and there were lots of jokes going around. But they weren't horrified. I think they... In, in a sneaking way, they had a little bit of aberration because of the audaciousness of it. Um, they, 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 they were used to petty crimes and, and local burglaries, and suddenly this came into the headlines. But when the sentence came out, they were shocked. They were absolutely shocked. They really were because um, it was a, it was a long, long time in those days. 25 years seems to be longer no. than it is now. So you Very kind shocked. of have a, a sort of sneaking respect for him. Yeah, but I'm, I'm on
4: the fence, actually. Okay. Well, supposing, Lim, <laughs> supposing today a gang of robbers went out, they robbed a bank, they tied up the bank manager and coshed him over their head... Causing irre- irreparable damage. Well,
6: I wouldn't damage. be happy. I wouldn't be happy because my father was a bank. Manager. Well, there, there you go. So if it, if it
4: happened today, is it yeah. is it romantic because it happened in 1963? Please, please me. The the perfumo. Well, there's kind of a sexy thing about 1963. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it happened today, it would just look vicious, cold, and callous, wouldn't it?
6: Um, I... I, I uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It was very, very meticulously planned. And think of... It, you do take... Have guts to go and do a job like that. You've got... Even though you guts. don't agree with... It is guts and, and oh. kind of... Well, it, in a funny sort of way, it's guts. Um, you but think, yet
4: you wouldn't like it if it happened today to a bank oh, manager?
6: i I didn't like it at the time. I didn't. I mean, Would I'm you not,
4: have a sneaking respect for them today?
6: Um... No, funnily enough, I wouldn't. See, that's the thing, isn't it? I wouldn't because violence has got so um, commonplace now and and it just seems to be that every other person is bad. I wouldn't have a respect now. My opinions have probably changed a bit. Lynn,
4: thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Pat, we'll come to you in a few minutes. Uh, It's an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? So a lot of you have a sneaking respect for the great train robbers. But what if it happened today? What if today... At some point during today, we heard on the news, a bank had been robbed, a bank manager had been coshed over the head, and they got away with £40 million. Would you still have the same sneaking respect for them? Would you still be cheering them on? Would you still be thinking, yes, excellent, well, go on, get in there, son. You're, you're heroes for the common man. Or would you think, what vicious, horrible thugs Well, the reason we're talking about this is because Ronnie Biggs, best known for his role in the Great Train Robbery, which happened in Buckinghamshire in 1963, has died at the age of 84. Biggs served only 15 months of his 30-year sentence for stealing £2.6 million from the Royal Mail train. He thwarted all attempts to bring him back to Britain from abroad until illness intervened and he needed the NHS. Well, Andrew Cook is the author of The Great Train Robbery, the unstalled uh, story from the closed investigation files. Morning, Andrew. Good Morning. What do you make of today's news?
19: Um, well, I think uh, in 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 a sense it's quite ironic, isn't it? I mean, tonight we've got the first of a, a two part BBC one. Uh, drama from chris chibnall um and uh, you know ronnie bigg's death occurs on, on on the morning of the uh of the film but yes you know it, it, it's one of those um ironic stories i think the story of ronnie biggs and that's probably one of the reasons you know throughout the last five decades in a way that that's kind of fascinated uh the public and the media hasn't it
4: why do you think it has captured the public's imagination for 50 years
19: well, I, th- I think there's two questions in a sense. I mean, the Great Train Robbery was, was, was an event in its own right, but a lot of that publicity over the last 50 years has basically been centred about around Ronnie Biggs. Um, Ronnie, Ronnie Biggs, in, in, in the drama, that Ronnie Biggs' character plays a relatively minor role, and that's purely and simply because historically Ronnie Biggs actually played a very minor role in the Great Train Robbery. I think what's fascinated, if that's not the wrong word, people over the last... 50 years, is that Ronnie Biggs literally became a a serial escaper. He escaped from uh, Wandsworth in 1965, not long after the convictions. He escaped again from Australia in 1969. He escaped justice in Brazil when he was arrested by Scotland Yard in 1974. He was kidnapped. He escaped from there. So I I think it's one of those stories, hasn't it, that's just gone on and on over the last five decades.
4: Was he a hero or a villain, Andrew?
19: I don't think he was either, to be quite honest. I mean, um, you know, heroes and villains are pretty stereotypical people. But, I mean, Big, Biggs was, I think, uh, the odd man. I mean, I think a book he wrote, one of many books he wrote uh, was called The Odd Man Out. And I think, in a sense, he was. He wasn't actually a typical member of the great train robbery gang. He was somebody who was bought in very much at the, the 59th minute of the 11th hour. Um, he wasn't a career criminal. He certainly had a career, criminal record. He was actually quite a successful small businessman in 1963 running a building business successful um, businessman so,
4: not a very successful crook was he
19: he wasn't no i mean uh, as i say he'd actually gone successfully gone straight in 1960 um and uh, as i say along along with the majority of the great train robbery gang was uh, was arrested in 63 on on fingerprint evidence and as we know you know because of the uh, the fact that the uh, farm at Leatherslade in buckinghamshire hadn't actually been burnt down um it yielded a whole host of clues for the police
4: andrew thank you very much indeed andrew cook author of the great train robbery the untold story from the closed investigation files well, what do you think it's interesting, isn't it? It gets a mixed reaction, this, from people. Ronnie Biggs, hero or villain? Let's go to Pat in Halton Regis. Morning, Pat. Good morning, Ian. Pat, what do you think?
13: Well, hearing some of the mentality coming over from your callers with regards to Ronnie Biggs, I mean, you had one of the callers said it took guts. No, it took greed to rob a train. And then you hear another one of your callers say, show respect for the man, he's dead. So do we show the same respect to Jimmy Savile now, he's dead? The fact is, he committed a crime, and in those days, when you were committed, when you had a sentence committed to you, you knew you were going to prison. Nowadays, you know n- you probably won't go to prison for anything. But we had problem, you mentioned you though.
4: mentioned Jimmy Savile, there, and we did have someone say, "Well, hang on a second, you can't compare the um, you know compared to people like paedophiles, murderers. What the great train robbers really did was nothing that bad.
13: A criminal is a criminal." And the criminal justice system should reflect it with sentences that they have to serve. No matter what crime they commit, it has to fit the crime. And unfortunately, nowadays, we've got people running around with knives, putting them to people's throats, who just get cautions and warnings. What sort of signal does that send out to criminals? They're helped more than the victims. And that's a sad thing that we have in our society today.
4: Pat, thank you very much indeed. Lots of strong views on this. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Hero or villain? Last 15 minutes of the show. Now's a good time to give us a call. Let's have a look at some of these um, comments on Facebook. Uh, Jason says, why a hero? What's he done to be a hero? He was an armed bank robber who lived a life of luxury from his illegal gains. How about you do a show about a firefighter or a soldier from the three counties who's given his life for someone instead of all this rubbish about a convicted criminal? Fifi says, Not sure why this cri- the crime this person committed was romanticised so much. He was a common thief who devastated the lives of the victims on the train and, sick or not, should have served out his sentence in his rightful place behind bars without medication. Martin says, I can't condone this man's terrible crimes, but I'm a big Phil Collins fan and Buster is one of my favourite films. Therefore, I'm going to have to say Ronnie Biggs was a hero. I'm quite sure that Dealey will agree. Any chance of a bit of loco in Acapulco in memory of the great man? Uh, Jason says, Jeremy Vine will be going on and on about this today. (laughs) I'm sure he loves the sound of his own voice. In other news, it's only seven days to Christmas. Jason, you are absolutely correct. It's only seven days to Christmas. Superb. 08459 oh, double, five, five, double, five. One final uh, comment on Facebook. Jason, another Jason, has replied to Martin. Well, Martin, that's a lame argument. I'm a fan of Sean Harris, who brilliantly played Ian Brady in an excellent film. So by your reckoning,
7: Ian Brady was a hero because the film was good? Huh? Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio. In Flamstead, the A5 is partially blocked after an accident between the M1 Junction 9 for Redbourne and River Hill. It's affecting both directions, but congestion especially bad on the southbound, which has got queues back to Kensworth. In Harpenden, St Albans Road is heavy at Station Road and the A40 eastbound still queuing after an accident by the RAF Northolt just added to the usual morning delays there. The A1M southbound heavy through the Stevenage Junctions 8 and 7. Public transport has no reported problems. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thanks very much.
4: Right, it's 8.46, it's Wednesday the 18th of December. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ronnie Biggs has died 50 years after carrying out the great train robbery in Buckinghamshire. A campaign launched after a man died in police custody in Luton are calling for police officers to wear video cameras. In football, Sunderland and Manchester City are through to the next round of the League Cup after wins over Chelsea and Leicester. Last 15 minutes of the show, we'll be talking organ donation and Ronnie Biggs. But before that, let's get the weather. Here's Wendy Hurrell.
17: Good morning. Fairly straightforward start to the day. We'll have some brightness. Temperature of five degrees at Luton at the moment, but it is going to cloud over through the afternoon, and we'll have some spots of rain returning. The breeze is also going to be picking up, but for the time being, it's coming in from the southwest, and that will lift the temperature. I think Luton probably getting to about eight or nine degrees Celsius. And then as we go through the night, uh, we are going to have some quite wet weather. Some really quite heavy bursts of rain going through in the first part of the night, and then some squally showers towards dawn and all the time really quite gusty winds during all of that temperatures will fall to about three or four degrees across the countryside so we start the day tomorrow with some sunshine hopefully dry conditions but we run the risk of seeing some showers as we go through the afternoon especially some of which might be a bit on the heavy side and there is a hint that there's a band that goes through just about around rush hour helpfully that could even have something a bit wintry in it so we're going to be watching that it's going to feel fresher generally tomorrow temperatures around seven degrees celsius then it's bright and breezy for friday but rather wet to start the weekend
4: thank you very much wendy
22: have a wonderful christmas on bbc one
3: I've never been one for the boisterous Christmas party. I'd rather sit in my festive onesie playing games like Guess the Christmas TV Programme. So here's a clue for you. I'm going down the square to enjoy a swift day medna Everidge in the Wormwood Scrub. Easy. OK, this one's about a 900-year-old man, even older than me, who travels extensively. Houses. All right, nuns on bikes, nurses on bikes, nuns who are nurses on bikes.
22: Steady? If Claudia's clues left you in the dark, see the full BBC One Christmas schedule online, including EastEnders, Doctor Who, and Call the Midwife. Search online for BBC One Christmas. Is Catherine Boyle. It's Catherine Boyle just turned up.
16: Not you. She, she's just Sorry, where have I'm you been, the love? The show's
22: the show's
4: finishing. Where have you been? She's been slacking. Just, this one. The show I've finishes in 12 minutes.
3: I've had a sleep. I feel so normal. How
4: dare you? You better go and do some work. Right. Last twelve minutes of the show, O eight, four, five, nine, four double five, five double five. People in beds, hearts and bucks, that's us, are being urged to talk to their loved ones this Christmas about whether they'll be an organ donor. Well, they want you and me to talk to our families now about organ donation. I've done it this morning. Have you had that conversation? One man from Buckinghamshire who knows the importance of organ donation is John McCafferty from Newport, Pagnell. He was given just five years to live when he had a heart transplant 31 years ago. Good morning, John. Good morning, Ian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How, how's the old ticker going? It's going extremely well. When did you first know that you needed a transplant?
29: Um, back in 1982, um, when I started feeling unwell and... Um, after investigation of about six months, um, I, I was established to find out that I had cardiomyopathy. So, um, the result of that was was um, well, I could rest and hope it would repair the heart would repair itself. But um, unfortunately, that didn't happen. So, uh, the only alternative was um, heart transplant. And how long did you have
4: to wait for
29: the transplant? Well, um, I took ill in the April of 1982. So um, by the time I got the transplant and I had been going through various tests for six months period, it was October before I managed to get it. It must have been a very worrying time. It was quite traumatic, but at the same time, um, having been reasonably fit, um, I wouldn't say healthy, but reasonably fit up until that particular time, um, it it was um, quite devastating whenever you found out that I had uh, come from about um, 10 and a half stone, um, uh, 11 stone down to 6 stone in weight by the time I got my transplant.
4: So you know firsthand just how important it is for people to be registered organ donors, don't you?
29: That's correct. I mean, the things have changed. When I was um, first transplanted, of course, uh, it was the carrying of the card was the slogan. And, um, of course, since then, of course, uh, it has now been um, with the uh, you know, donor register on computerization, um, It's much easier now to become a donor. Well, it
4: takes 30 seconds. I did it this morning while I was talking to another guest.
29: Absolutely. It doesn't um, you, it pick up the phone, you can yeah. phone them, you, you, you can register online, you, you can actually do it by text. There's so many different ways you can do it. Can you understand why some people are slightly reluctant to do it, John? Well, it's difficult to try and... <laughs> To get my head around why you know people have different reasons for not wanting to become a donor and it ranges from you know religious uh, beliefs it, it ranges from um, people saying you're know, disfiguring the body it, there's so many reasons why people um, you know just just not you know register on, on the organ and other people say well uh, why should I register it's not going to happen to me and I, I mean my organs have been no good I've been drinking I've been doing this I've been doing that. And for whatever reason they give, um, I just can 't get my head round about it why they don 't register because at the end of the day, Ian, people can register it doesn 't mean it says that you know their organs are going to be removed because an a lot of the people who are on the register, their organs are never used because they are not fit for transplantation. Is it true that your son's had a
4: transplant as well?
29: No, it was my young nephew. He was right. 12 years of age. Wow, what, what happened to him? <clears throat> and, of course, exactly the same as me, the same blood group, um, caromyopathy. And um, it's, it's one of those odd things because it was the first time, of course, where two people connected through, you know, family-wise, um, had to undergo the same operation. And, of course, he's now been... He was transplanted in uh, 1991 uh, at 12 years of age, so it's now what, 20 odd years ago now yeah. since, uh, you know, he's lived 20 odd years now. Um, so it's quite successful. Um, and it is sad whenever people, whenever it comes to the same family, and it comes back to the same old thing, Ian. Um, you know, it's the same question. Um, would you donate? No, I don't want it in it. But would you receive? Oh, yeah, but it is a transplant. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes, of course I want one. Exactly.
4: John, listen, I've got, I've got to end it there because uh, lots happening today, as I'm sure you're aware. But thank you very much. Uh, indeed, that's John McCafferty, who had uh, a heart transplant all those years ago. And it is that thing. Do you want, if you're in a situation where your life could be saved, would you want someone to give them your kidney, your liver, your heart? Of course you would. So then, what stops you from signing up and doing it yourself? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. The last five minutes of the show or thereabouts will take your calls on Ronnie Biggs. Hero or villain? He's died today at the age of 84. Best known, of course, for his role in The Great Train Robbery, 1963. Recorded songs with the Sex Pistols, lived in Brazil, been in films, done all of these kind of things. Is he a hero or a villain? Lots of people saying, oh... Oh, I wish, we'd, I wish we'd had the guts to do what he did. What, really? Get on a train, cosh someone over the head. He didn't do the coshing, as far as we know, but he was involved in it. Steal a load of money and go and live somewhere else? Really? Justin, you, you, we disagree on this very, very strongly, don't we?
22: Well, I, d- I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a hero, that's for sure. But I think you know the crime was, was of course very famous back in 1963, and a lot of people have got memories behind it. That's why, still 50 years on, people still talk about that crime, the fascination between the cops and the robbers, uh, the media attention. A lot of people know exactly where they were the day they heard the news about the Great Train Robbery, which of course was local, it happened in Buck.
4: This is one of the um, uh, tweets that I received from Squiffy. Ronnie Biggs was a hero to the common man, who would all have loved to have had have the guts to do the same. I see. I don't bind mm. I don't. B- I've got two kids. Mm. I do not want my children to look up to criminals as heroes i don 't want them cr- to look up to criminals i don 't want them to look up to porn models. I, don't, I, I want them to look up to doctors and firemen and and, and the respectful people as heroes
22: absolutely. I think you know every single person would have that view, but of course, there are a number of people in this country who don 't believe you know, that this country is run correctly, whether that be now, whether that be in the 1960s and there was, was Ronnie Biggs, who of course was W- was laughing at the authorities living his life abroad in the sunshine living this luxurious lifestyle recording songs with the sex pistols And basically sticking two fingers up uh, to the authorities in this country And that's why a lot of people thought that he was a hero But What have people know, been saying to you this morning just? Well I've been out on the streets this morning asking people big hero or villain Here's what people had to say
19: It was a villain obviously but uh, a renowned villain he, uh, My life was brought up with the great was, basically in the early 60s, that's all we talked about at school and at work. Yeah, I think his latter days was a bit of a shame, but the history of the man was uh, quite ironic, I think, the way he ended up.
5: Villain. He, he, in the process of, of the crime, somebody died a little bit later, admittedly, but he was a villain. He escaped prison. He should have just taken his justice when it was given.
23: He wasn't, he wasn't a good man, no. He, he should have done what he'd done, but... Uh, I think at the time it was a little bit harsh to what people are getting away with at the moment
22: Paul have you got any respect at all for, for, for Ronnie Biggs is he a, a hero or a villain
25: he's a villain he's a villain he's a villain I think the son brought him back didn't they um, the son brought him back and gave him a load of money I think which probably went to his children and whatever uh, God knows what happened to the money uh, but
22: no he's a villain Andy Ronnie Biggs in your eyes what was he to you I would say he was a villain
30: yeah he um I, I just can't understand what all the fuss is about, really. We've, obviously, I've heard it this morning, and I'm thinking, well, he
4: he did a crime, so what are we all talking about? Well, as Pat says on Facebook, hell mess. Uh, it, it is. It, you have to wonder, Justin, what, if this crime happened today, if a load of thugs... Went and robbed a bank or robbed a train and coshed someone over the back of the head, would, would we be, you know, what would we
22: look at? We'd look at them as scum, wouldn't we? Um, I think we would do. I think we would do. But, of course, uh, you know, the the, the crime, the, the the size of the crime for for 1963, the media coverage, it was, you know, a crime of its time. It's it's such a, such a famous crime, and that's why, of course, we are still talking about it today. And, of course, that documentary on TV this evening and tomorrow as well, which feels kind of weird talking about the death of Ronnie yeah. Vicks today. Well. and, of course, this documentary on uh, on the BBC this evening.
4: Very quickly, Justin, you do uh, an excellent show Saturday mornings between 9 and 12. Uh, you play some great hits. You've got a million records, yeah. you reckon. You reckon. <laughs> uh, do you know who your guest is going to
22: be yet this weekend? Um, do you know what? I haven't got a clue. I'm actually hoping this week to, to catch up with Gareth Gates. Oh, Who's really? appearing in Panto in St. Albans, so hopefully that's going to happen. But oh. uh, we have got the UK and American charts from this weekend in 85, which is a, a very festive rundown. Justin, I'm
4: sorry, I have to stop your plug because mm. Kelly Betts, it was just put her hand up. What do you want, Bets? Me? What?
11: I, I have been given a show. Sorry, who would have thought it? I know.
4: What well, hospital radio?
11: <laughs> no, that that was before.
7: Right. So, what's your show?
11: So, it's looking at the music. I'm
7: really sorry. We haven't got time. Travel news for beds, hearts, and bugs.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio. In said on the A5, things have cleared and the delays have eased after an earlier accident between the M1, Junction 9 for Redbourne and River Hill. In Denham, the A40 eastbound still struggling though. There are queues between the Denham roundabout and Gypsy Corner, not helped by that earlier accident by the RAF Northolt. The M25 anti-clockwise very slow between Junction 19 for Watford and 15 for the M4. And the M40 northbound also slow from the Denham roundabout up to the M25. Public transport has no reported problems. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio.
11: Looking at how it was inspired by the future musicians.
4: This is, this is your show, is it?
11: Yeah, so it's looking at the musicians from uh, the past uh, and got, how they inspired the musicians we, y- of the future. Yes, we've
4: got all that. Thank w- you. When, when is your show on?
11: Don't know. I, I, it's on twice, but I don't know when. Flippin I'll find out heck. and get back to you.
4: No, don't bother. Don't worry. There's no rush. There's no rush. Well, it, it would appear they're giving shows to anybody. Hey, you want a radio show? Just turn up at BBC Three Counties Radio. That's all you need to do. We shall find out when Kelly's show is and we shall plug it thoroughly. Right, that's it, that's your lot. JVS up next. I'm off to see a pantomime. Ta-ta
2: and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks.
7: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday. It's nine o'clock. And welcome to my Drink Drive special. Back in November, we reported that Thames Valley...